Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, a little audio glitch there. How you doing? I'm welcome into Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. As we come to you live from the Hoopsville studios, presented by D3Hoops.com, it is the W and WBCA and NABC studios. Of course, our partners at Blue Frame Technology, thanks to them for their support as we are on air. If you got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us where we're simulcasting the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Most of that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen if you happen to be watching us live. If you're listening to the podcast or watching us on demand, thank you for doing that. As well, we certainly appreciate it. Um, we are on Instagram as well, at D3Hoopsville, though we don't interact during the show. A little bit challenging to do all of that at the same time. Lots to talk about tonight because we have tons of postponements and cancellations coming in. A, uh, the, the list of schools that are taking a pause is ever-growing. It includes number one, Hope, in women's basketball. They are on a pause right now, maybe until midweek. It appears. Um, Brandeis men's basketball. Looks like they're going to lose the opening two weekends of the UAA conference schedule at this point. Tonight there are 10 or 11 postponed games in men's basketball, one canceled game. In women's, we have seven. Oh, let's hold on. 10 postponed and four cancellations so far that we know of. There may be others that we just haven't gotten into our system yet. Um, the uh, Omicron virus or variant of the COVID virus is aggressively going through college sports. Um, not overly surprising considering we got a hint of this about two weeks after Thanksgiving. And of course, everybody then went home for the holidays and we're going to probably see this now for the next few weeks one would hope it will die down and we will get back to quote unquote our new normal or at least a slowdown of sorts for the end of january into february and of course into the march tournaments but we'll see we'll see how this all plays out um but there are significant teams taking breaks uh it, twitter was a flurry today of teams looking for games teams of games that are being postponed. Um, I'm trying to double check because we just had a few as I was looking to get on air. Um, I was the Centennial Conference I know last night had three games that got postponed, two of them in men's basketball. Um, now uh, more, for example, Gettysburg just tweeted out that their game against Bryn Mawr that was scheduled for Saturday has been postponed. They don't know if they'll make it up as of yet. Um, let's see here. Uh, where is it? I'm trying to find the other one I just saw and I've already lost, lost it. Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon men's basketball search a game for the weekend of, of the 13th and 14th of January. Um, the women's game between Geneseo and New Pulse that was scheduled for the 7th of January has been postponed. I mean, that's not just tonight's stuff. We're talking about, you know, this coming weekend stuff. Uh, spectator policy is also in place. There are a number of schools that are shutting out spectators for the foreseeable future, probably to the end of the month. There are some who've decided they will no longer serve concessions and maybe still have fans on site. A doubleheader between Suffolk men and women and uh, I think that's 
Yeah, Wentworth Leopards. Um, that has been postponed. Coming up, I think is it? Yeah, Saturday. Um, it, it's just it, it it's rampant right now. Now at least we're playing basketball. At least we've got games to still talk about, results to talk about, things that have happened around Division Three, and that's always good. But it's it's tough. It, there's a lot going on in Division Three, and Division Two and Division One on top of that. So it's going to be a topic of conversation later on in the show. We will talk to two assistant commissioners of conferences in Division Three. Two of 42 is not a large uh, sample size, I realize, but they do have uh, two different perspectives based on conference procedures. Again, some conferences are letting schools make up games and and trying to get to the end. Other conferences have had uh, a policy in place that if your team cannot play because of COVID, you basically forfeit the game, which means it's a non-contest in the eyes of the NCAA, meaning the the game is... uh, Null and void, but in the eyes of the conference, they're they're at least stating who was not, you know, who didn't have to cancel because of COVID, and those games uh, they're receiving essentially a winning conference play. It's just for conference standings and it's for the playoffs. And there are conferences that have started out that way, but now conversations have changed that, and those forfeitures are going away to some degree. It's uh, and there's every other variation of that. So we'll two uh, at least two on. That, that, uh, that we've gotten so far. Uh, we'll have uh, James Wagner from the Colonial States Athletic Conference here on the East Coast, and we'll have Stacey Ledoux from the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference um, from the central part of the country. We'll get their takes on things and just the challenges it is to be in a conference. Also coming up, we will talk to uh, Julie Folks, the head coach of Transylvania Women's Basketball. Her team ranked fourth in the nation, highest they've ever been ranked. We'll talk to her about what it's like to be uh, on campus right now with her team and uh, HCAC play. We'll also talk to Brian Nemeth, the uh, head coach of Simpson Women's Basketball. He'll talk about his sixth-ranked squad and how the Storm are playing and uh, big games already in ARC competition. And then on the men's side, we'll talk to Williams head coach Kevin App. He'll join us to talk about the Eves. Just how good are the Eves this year? Undefeated so far. Obviously, big games coming up in NESCAC play, if they're able to be played. Williams has had some troubles with their games as well, as a lot of teams have. We'll talk to him about their challenges, but also how good are they are. So that's all coming up ahead. Um, quickly, in men's basketball so far this week. So far. Not a lot of results uh, because, again, a lot of cancellations and delays. But Oshkosh, the fourth-ranked team in the country, Lost to Whitewater in overtime yesterday, 78, uh, 82-78. Uh, we should point out Platteville got past Eau Claire, 60-46. Uh, of course, Platteville number two in the country. But uh, Oshkosh takes its second loss of the season to Whitewater, and it's just going to be a show of just how tough that Wyack is. Remember, we talked to Platteville men's basketball coach Jeff Gard on the show on, on Monday, and we talked about how challenging that all is. Um. Marietta got past Muskegon by 20. Wheaton got past North Park by 25. Christopher Newport was supposed to play Marymount. That game has been called. Or we'll see if they make it up. Roanoke was supposed to play uh, Farum, by the way. That game has been called. We'll see if they make it up. 
Maryville's game against Brevard, also to be made up. Uh, other games that took place, Lacrosse defeated Stout 89-85. Stout has started strong this season, um, but I think that's her second loss in a row, if memory serves. Johns Hopkins got past Dickinson, and it was not close. I was keeping track of that game while calling uh, a game myself. Hopkins won 82-48. to Mount Union uh, got a forfeit game over Baldwin-Wallace. Swarthmore got past McDaniel, 78-37. That game was close for about 11 minutes. And then it wasn't. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor got past Concordia, Texas in a barn burner, 111 to 101. I think that was back on Monday, if memory serves. Heidelberg got past John Carroll in a forfeit game. John Carroll's now lost two conference games due to forfeits. And uh, from what I'm gathering, they're they're fully, fully vaccinated from what I understand. So just struggling with this virus. Wesleyan, we mentioned this on Monday, getting past Amherst in triple overtime. They've got Tufts this weekend along with Bates. And the WPI got past Springfield. Um... Oswego, we mentioned their big win over St. Lawrence. Case Western got past Hilbert. They'll take on Carnegie Mellon this weekend. Amherst uh, lost to Wesleyan, 94-85 uh, in triple overtime, uh, as we mentioned that already. They got Middlebury and Williams. That was the point of me bringing that up. The sales got past FDU Florham, 102-63. And other games that are of, of note. So, you know, there are games being played, so there's still stuff to talk about, just not as much as we would like to talk about it. Um, on the women's side of the ledger, oh, sorry, I lost track of where that update was. There it is. Um, again, Hope has game against Alma, and I believe this week their game against Illinois College is off as well. I don't believe they'll play Olivet this weekend either. Uh, actually, their game against uh, Illinois College is off because it was today. I don't believe they'll play Olivet this weekend either as Hope women's basketball is on a pause. I don't believe... I think the best that they're looking at is midweek next week. I heard the MIA was getting together today to discuss how to handle the all of these uh, changes and all of that. I don't know what the answer is as of now. Christopher Newport lost its game against Mary Baldwin. They've got uh, St. Joseph and Pratt coming up this weekend. Amherst hasn't played in forever. They've got Middlebury and Williams to start off NESCAC play after not having played in a, quite some time. They've se- only played seven games so far. We'll talk to Transylvania about losing the Earlham game and whether they can play a defiance. Simpson got past Buena Vista. We'll talk about that, 86-38. Whitewater got past Oshkosh in overtime, 67-63, in a battle of top 20 teams. They've got top 10. Eau Claire coming up. So Whitewater with a top 20 matchup last night, and then we'll have a top 10 matchup this weekend. And more results. Nothing that jumps out of the page as being shocking, necessarily. Um, the Wheaton... Uh, did lose the North Park in women's basketball as well. So lots of games taking place, not as many as we're used to, and lots of games being postponed and delayed, which we'll keep an eye on as well. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, sorry we didn't get Monday show up and running. I forgot to hit the easy button that tells you to start the stream on their end. I'm used to everything starting automatically like it does everywhere else. At YouTube, it still doesn't. So I apologize to all of you who tried to watch our show on Monday on the YouTube simulcast. Um, hello, Aunt BJ. I love watching the show. Studio looks good. Thank you. Studio still needs a little bit more uh, cleaning up and organizing. We got to get a couple of new jerseys hung up, but we got to do a little bit more pinning of them. But thank you. We like the way the studio looks. So again, if you got questions for us, you can tweet us, you can email us, you can message us on Facebook. A reminder: we're no longer on Sunday nights. We're now on Monday nights. The show airs Mondays and Thursdays now from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time or 7 to whenever we get off the air p.m. Eastern Time. 
Uh, we will still have come Selection Sunday, a special on Sunday, so that won't change. We do have a couple of days coming up where we have basketball games in the in the evening that we have to call, so we will most likely do one of two things. We'll figure it out. We'll either move the show to another night, which would mean if it's on a Monday, we might move it to Tuesday, or we will uh, do it earlier in the day. Certainly an option. Uh, and if you like watching it in the evening, you can uh, catch it up on demand if necessary. So just keep track with us on Twitter, on Facebook, and elsewhere as we'll keep you up to date on a lot of those decisions. Uh, we'll keep an eye on scores from around Division Three tonight as well, despite all of you who listen to the show uh, on demand. We'll uh, at least keep you up to date on games that have already taken place in your world. In men's basketball, so far no real big games on the docket. Uh, number 19, Mary Harden-Baylor, is taking on Sol Ross today, and number 22, Harden-Simmons, is taking on Letourneau. Otherwise, no other ranked teams are taking to the floor. And in women's basketball, there are no ranked teams playing tonight. But we'll keep an eye on things. Two games already in the books in women's basketball action. So there you go. Um, Ryan Scott's got another great uh, Around the Nation article out about welcoming us back to basketball. And uh, good read today. I enjoyed that. And congratulations to our Team of the Week honorees as well today, by the way. So there you go. Um, there was a change from the NCAA's guidance on things that we hinted about um, earlier today on Twitter. Give me a second. I will uh, call that one up. Basically, it has to do with um, understanding, basically, who is considered fully vaccinated. They've made some adjustments on that. And it's for winter sports mainly. Um, for the purpose of winter guidelines, the medical advisory group has developed a definition of fully vaccinated that considers both vaccinated status and immunity factors for tier one student athletes and coaches and individuals. Uh, the following are fully vaccinated, just so you know, within two months of having a completed uh, having completed the primary series of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Of course, that's a one-dose vaccine. So within... Two months of that dose, you're considered fully vaccinated. If you're outside of that, you are not. Within five months of completing the primary vaccines for Pfizer and within six months of completing the primary vaccines for Moderna, meaning two doses both. So by the time you finish the second one in two weeks post that, I would assume. So again, five months after Pfizer, six months after Moderna. And then if you received a booster vaccine, uh, two months beyond Johnson & Johnson, five or six months past Pfizer and Moderna, respectively. So same timing again. So whether it's the five to six months after the main doses of those vaccines or five to six months after the booster, again, depending, uh, Pfizer, it's five months, six months, it's Moderna, two months, it's um, Johnson & Johnson. Also, anyone who has documented COVID-19 infection in the past 90 days is considered fully vaccinated. So 90-day window. Remember, last year there was a lot of talk between 90 days and 120 days. Um, not easy, obviously. Um, let's see here. Uh, man, they also had suggestions, five days of quarantine after a positive test with isolation, ending after five days if there are no symptoms or symptoms are resolving. Considerations are also include masking around others for an additional five days, basically the CDC mandates. Participation in athletic activities without a mask during days 6 through 10 can be considered following a negative PR, PCR test or antigen test. 
Um, I've also been told by some that don't be surprised if we start seeing teams wearing masks again, not because of NCAA guidelines, but just for other reasons. So lots to, to, to just kind of take in with all of this. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts, not only with games, but with testing and with everything else underway. So um, it's it's a big, big to-do, as you can imagine, and we'll keep you up to date as best we can on Twitter and elsewhere. Uh, again, I think we, we're we just in for a rough January. I, I, I have no significant knowledge to say this, but I have a feeling things will be a little bit better come February, but could be dead wrong. We all thought um, in November that, Things were good, and Omicron was not even on our radars, and things would be fine, and we'd get through it. We'd gotten used to Delta, and things were okay in the fall sports, and then Omicron came along and changed everything. So um, not easy, to say the least, and uh, we'll all get through it. And uh, don't see any reason the championships would be called off at this point, but we'll certainly keep an eye on that as well. With that, we'll take a break. Um, Coming up, we will talk to... Julie Folks, the head coach at Transylvania, about her Pioneers women's team and what they're doing. As I now see more tweets, George Fox has moved games around against Pacific Lutheran this weekend in both men's and women's action. Don't know the exact changes, but lots of changes happening. Uh, Mark Newman says, an NCAA inconsistent, the hell you say. Seems logical to, to me that you would have exposures. Yes. Um, I don't think they're being inconsistent. I think they're just trying to keep up with things what they're trying to do, uh, as everybody is. And remember, on top of all that, they have a testing protocols. Schools may have more stringent protocols than all of that that will, you know, trump anything that the NCA is stating. That's just minimums. Just remember that. It's just minimums. All right, with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, Julie Folks joins us. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Uh, back with more as we're just getting rolling here on Thursday evening after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're uh, simulcasting the show. And, uh, of course, we're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Hoopsville as well, by the way. And uh, you can always email us, Hoopsville at d3sports.com. So, got to see Transylvania out at the d3hoops.com Classic once again. It was the men's program. Good to see Brian Lane out there once again with the with his squad. Took a little bit of some lumps while they were out there. Well, in the meantime, his women's team flying high. Uh, by the way, side note, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the first men's game, Gordon gave us the entire breakdown on why the bat is a mascot. And then we got the full story from Brian Lane that we're not allowed to talk to on this kind of programming. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time. Trust us. It's a good story. But again, while we were getting all that distraction, the women's team was rising in the top 25 poll. They're now number four in the D3 top 25. It's the highest they've ever been. So, well, that's easy. That's an easy guest selection. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Julie Folks, the head coach of the aforementioned number four pioneers and coach first and foremost. Congratulations on the ranking and getting to 2022. You got to be thrilled with how your team is playing and, and how it's getting recognized. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having, uh, having me. It's, like you said, it's been a great first half. Uh, you know, I was listening earlier and it has been a really uh, challenging January, yes. uh, which doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. So I think I was thankful that we played all of our games right before break and, and kind of beat a little bit of this, but we haven't had any luck in conference play so far. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys actually had a whole host of games. Um, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't lay off much in the uh, first half. You played, uh, what was it, 10 games. Squeezed them in a ton in January. Sorry, in uh, November especially. And right, yeah. you then look at what you're supposed to have done by now. You should have already had two games in conference from January 2nd and January 5th, other than the three you already played in conference play. And you're already on a holding pattern, and we don't even know if you'll be playing on Saturday against Defiance. Listen, it's nice to get a break, right? But it's got to yeah. be a little bit tough to not know if you're playing tomorrow. Is it worth uh, it? Well, we actually already do know we're not playing. Oh, there you uh, go. Breaking news. Yeah. So we found out today we were also down that one. So, you know, when the first D3 Hoops poll came out in November, uh, my assistant did a count on how many top 25 teams were on that. And I thought to myself, I might overschedule this just a little bit. Um, but thankfully, shoot, I should never tell our team that. No. You know, we have a really strong group of competitors. And every game they go into, they believe they're going to win. And they're pretty excited about it. So it ended up working out really well. And we stayed healthy through the first part. And eventually we hope we'll get to play a conference game. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll wait until February maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, Tufts was your third game out of the block. Yeah. And to say the least, that's great scheduling. It's going to help you in a lot of ways, win or lose. You got right. the win Absolutely. out of it. I mean, you're 10-0 and 0 on the season. So obviously you got the win out of it. 66-65, but Piedmont's on there. Rose Holman, of course, in conference play. John Carroll and Capital. You had a lot of, and maybe not all of them have have been as great. Now, Carroll's been awesome. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Carroll's been in the top five as well. Uh, Dixie Jeffers' team at Capital hasn't been as strong as they normally are. They're 3-10. and 10. But still, you 
it looked like it was going to be a, a bit of a of a uh, murderer's row, as it were. How do you prepare the team for that? Is your you said you don't tell the you don't tell them how many top 25s there are, but they're going to figure it out. They knew. They, defi- they definitely knew. Uh, well, you know, there's some things that would go in our favor. I, this team has a history of success. They haven't lost very many games. Yeah. Um, you know, especially our juniors and seniors. So they're used to winning. And I always believe that is a large part of everything that we do. And, you know, there's an exciting component to it. But, you know, we helped ourselves out. We got to go to Canada this year over fall break. And so we went up to Montreal and played three division one teams up there. And that got us going really quickly. And we got to play Eastern Kentucky uh, as a division one exhibition. And so, you know, going into Tufts, we had only played some really amazing teams that challenged us every possession. And so I thought that part really helped us get ready for this non-conference schedule. And they were already used to how hard it was, you know, just to get the ball up the floor, just to score each possession, rebounding, defending, and so I think when we got to those games, it didn't feel different. It just felt like the next big, strong team. And, and they kept rising to the challenge. You know, when we played Eastern Kentucky, the Division One team with two minutes to go, in the third, we were down two. Um, and so they are, they are fearless. You know, it, clearly uh, it's been working in your advantage. We should point out, just give some love, the WBCA, number four in their poll as well, which is obviously pretty, pretty stellar in, in that end. Um, best start to the season that in, in your career, which I can't believe is your eighth year at Transylvania. I still think you just got there. It's gone really fast. Yeah, it has. Um, but how much of this team I'm kind of curious about, because your school isn't necessarily, I mean, Brian said it to me. He's like, listen, we don't have graduate degrees. So it's not like our teams can just hang on like others do and get a graduate degree and get another year. Do yeah. you have anybody who is able to stay on for another year? Or is this literally a team playing this well? that really hasn't been on the floor since 2019. Yeah, we don't. We had four seniors last year and, you know, they were ready to graduate. They had awesome careers and they had, you know, we got to play a lot last year and outside of the NCAA tournament, they felt like they had done everything that they wanted to, you know, do in basketball court. And so um, I would have welcomed any of them back. Uh, They had started for a long time, but it was also nice. We've had a lot of really talented underclassmen below them that have patiently, you know, waited. And, and I think maybe that's where I didn't know the transition this year. I, I thought by January, we'd be pretty good, but when players are stepping into now it's my turn to win, you know, when we are down one at Tufts with seven seconds to go, you just don't know how those moments are going to play out. And, you know, I, this is a group, I, I can't say it enough. It's a group that likes to compete and win. And no matter the game we play in practice, they know who won and they know who lost. And, um, that matters to them. And so they've done a great job stepping into that role and they were, they've been even better down the stretch. We had last week when we lost the Manchester game and it was disappointing to lose that game, but our three days of practice were phenomenal that we had in place. And I, you know, I felt great about heading into this week and thought we were really ready to roll. And, um, you know, hopefully we get, get that chance again, but they, they certainly have grown into their new roles and, you know, their new expectations. We should say lost in the terms of not being able to play it. Um, Your conference isn't allowing you guys necessarily to make them up. I guess you can, but they won't count for conference play. Is that correct? That's just a recent change. Yeah, that changed yesterday. So we went from the forfeiture to the no contest. Um, And I heard that you said Stacey Ledoux was going to come on later. So she'll give a great explanation. Um, Yeah, so we, you know, we'll be down three games. I don't know that we'll make any of those up. Um, 
you know, we would be willing if we could figure it out. But as you know, it's hard to add in games kind of once you're into the heart of conference season. So depending on how that works, I sent out a few emails tonight to see if we can get a game this weekend. So we are hopeful. We, you know, we have a team that's ready to go and vaccinated and boosted and all the things. Um, and so if we can, if we can find a game that works, we'll play. Uh, 17th in the, in the country in scoring margin, you're outscoring your opponents by 22 points a game. You're 17th in three pointers per game. You're hitting nine a game, basically. <laughs> um, taking nine a game sometimes is yeah. a big number for teams. You're hitting yes. nine yeah. a game, by the way, percentage wise, I just had it. Uh, you're hitting 32% of your three pointers, which is any yeah. coach's dream. Uh, 23rd in the country in points per game. You're scoring over 75 a game and you're uh, 31st in blocks at nearly five blocks a game. Some of that might be Justin Sweeney giving you a little love. Um, <laughs> that's just my favorite way to get him a shout out. Is it, is this a team a defensively minded and thus why we see the scoring margin only allowing teams 53 points a game and, and yeah. able to get those block shots? Or is this an offensive team? Thus the 75 points, the nine, three pointers, et cetera. Yeah. You know, last year, sometimes, you know, things happen unexpectedly. And last year we were a very physically big team. We had a lot of really talented six, two, six, three players. And we decided with COVID last year, we were just going to switch to zone. And I had never gone all zone. In fact, the only good team I had never, ever known that had gone all zone was George Fox back in the day. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, so we decided to switch to that because whoever was in and out with COVID, we thought we could adapt really well. And we played zone the entire year and then about five possessions into the conference tournament, switched and played man the rest of the way um, and, and won the conference tournament. Yeah, because everyone then, went, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and so we started in the zone this year and, you know, a year later, they're, they're pretty good about it. The zone had, you know, and that, it's not a secret that we play zone. So I don't feel like I'm giving away anything here. Even if it was, um, you, you got to execute, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, there's some perks to playing zone. The scouting reports are a lot less at this point. You know, there's only a few ways that people are going to attack it. And True. Our players are confident in what they're going to give up and, what we're not going to give up. Um, we're rebounding really well out of the zone. We have some very athletic players on the bottom row and, and our guards go get the ball. And so, you know, when we played John Carroll and some of these other teams, the first quarters, you know, we, we got out pretty far and, you know, we were able to hold people, you know, 20 to four, 20 to five have been some of our first quarters while people adapt to going against the zone. And so that's been well for us. I don't know. I mean, last year, you know, the third round people kind of started to figure it out and, we prepare all the time for the conference teams that see it too many times. Um, but I, so I think this team is both ends. They are, they're not afraid to shoot. Um, taking 43s is no longer um, a shocking number to us. A few years ago it was. And I tell them all the time, as long as we're shooting over 30%, I can do math. And that is a really efficient day. Um, so, but, you know, I think the important thing is we shoot it well and we rebound it well. When we shoot threes, we send everybody after the ball and it is, you know, it's going to come off at eight feet and we come up with most of those misses. And so in some ways, a lot of times that's just the first shot we go down there with. And, um, you know, we expect to get a second shot if we miss. And that has played out for us. A few things I'm taking away from that. First off, you've clearly understood the analytics that is basketball now. It says the three pointer is worth taking if you're shooting at a good percentage. So again, not afraid to shoot if you're shooting at a good percentage. So 40, 50 yeah. shots, fine, as long as we're getting anywhere from, what, 
10 to 15 of them to drop. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I also hear you say eight feet is the rebound. There, there's an understanding of where that rebound is coming from that I don't normally hear that conversation. You hear t- coaches talk about crashing boards, boxing out, being in position. But, man, that's got to be a, a an interesting part to add to it to go, hey, we're shooting threes. Don't be under the basket. Be over yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we flooded and, you know, from the three-point line, everybody about gets a foot in the key. Um, but, it, you know, and it starts, we have great athletes who have great habits. And so when they're chasing the ball down, they, you know, they're able to beat people to the ball. And so it is a combination of a strategy, I think, that works well for them. They, they love going and rebounding. Um, and so I think it plays well on both ends of the floor. We... You know, I have a really um, analytical assistant and he has done all the math on all the divisions. And he has been very clear with me that defensive rebounding equates to championships Hmm. um, at every level, at everything. And so, you know, we focus on defensive rebounding and the best games that we can defend, there'll be 60% will be their misses. And we need to come up with a large percentage of them. And, And part of the zone rebounding stuff that's been interesting is teaching zone rebounding. Uh, You know, the man to man stuff is much easier. Well, because you find a man and box out. Yeah, yeah. And so the zone, you know, there are certain shots that you give up. If you give them up, you're already at a disadvantage. And so Mm. part of the zone has been learning not to give up some certain shots because we're not going to be able to box out very well out of it. Interesting. Yeah. So it's played together, but at both ends, our core is rebounding. Um, You know, we don't have to make the first shot every time. We believe we're going to come up with a lot of offensive boards. And... You know, there's plenty of possessions. I don't know if this is good or bad coaching. We shoot a three, miss, get the rebound, shoot a three, miss, get a rebound, and make the third, and that's right at 33%. Um, and that works. And so we happen to take three shots of that possession. I'm, I'm looking at your roster, and I know from just talking to individuals, and as you said, you had a lot of size last year. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You don't have as much. So you have three players listed at 6-1 or 6-2. Or, or yeah. You have a ton of players at 5'11 or shorter. And just looking at at who's who, um, Emily Teal, for example, played in 10 games, so she's obviously in the game a lot. Uh, Lakin Ball, uh, third in the team in scoring, obviously plays a lot. Uh, who's the one I'm missing? Oh, Grace uh, Bringer, um, 10 games. So you're playing all three of them. Are they providing the size you need, or is the rebounding, as I'm hearing, more cerebral than physical? You know, it's it's probably honestly a healthy combination. Um, you know, Grace Shope is a really physical 5'10 guard, and she is a great technique rebounder on the defensive end. She's probably one of our best at just making sure her player and her area doesn't come up with the ball. Um, so a lot of times I think our guards get to come in there and do, you know, stat themselves with the rebounds while the, some of the other players did a lot of the heavy lifting. Sure. Um, but on the offensive end, she is hard for anybody to handle to box out and great habits, strong will end up in the paint every time. And so I think it's both sides. You know, we have, you know, on the other side, we have Deja Thornton and Kennedy Stacy who are unbelievable athletes and can chase down and fast and, Deja can touch, you know, can go jump up and grab the rim. So we have some players that can get up a little bit and add that in. And so it is a, yeah, it's a healthy mix of strength, speed, and just athleticism with hopefully a cerebral approach to it that they all understand. 
talked about a few of these players, but you've got Kellyan at 8.2 points a game, Kennedy Stacy at 14 points a game, Ball at 12 points a game, uh, Thornton at basically 11 points a game. They're all juniors, by the way. Heads up, everybody, for next they season. <laughs> um, but that's four players in double figures, and when you look even deeper than that to see who else you've got uh, in terms of scoring, you've still got at least four more who are going to put some points up during the game as well. So you've got eight for the most part, but those four as a core scoring in double figures. I don't know a ton about basketball, but I know that that isn't a, a, there's no way the defense can key on one person Yeah, because you're going to have too many weapons and that's got to be a huge advantage. It is. And it's something that matters to us. Uh, Maddie Kelly on is a phenomenal offensive player and she is, She's hard to stop. She shoots it really well from the three-point line, um, and she is really great at attacking the rim and scoring inside, whether it's post or guards. Um, you know, and unfortunately, she tore ACL as a freshman back yeah. when we had Shelby Boyle and Ashton Woodard, so that would have been an interesting addition to that, that group. And so, you know, offensively, everything we're trying to do is just make the defenders make a choice and have our offense understand what that what that means. And they aren't selfish. I mean, they move the ball around. I think that's always been one of our team's strengths. You know, they really care about us getting a good shot, no matter who it is and making the right reads. And, you know, and I think that makes us tough to guard. We can score outside. We spend a lot of time scoring inside for the nights where the ball does not go in. And every now and then that happens. Um, And that's with our guards and our posts Our, you know, Maddie and Kennedy, they, they, all of their work is equalized between the post and guards. So we know that we can put them inside and they can have a lot of luck. And sometimes it's easier to score the guards inside than, than trying to figure out how to get them to the rim with the ball in their hands. Uh, Kellyan also scored 33, by the way, against John Carroll. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Also 14 to 15 from the free throw line. Um, and then obviously a big game in um, capital the next day. And now you've been sitting since. Um, is this a – and by the way, we should mention there are two seniors on this team. Uh, we, we didn't even get a chance to talk about them. One of them is leading, leading the way in blocks. But this team, as good as it's sounding now, and I certainly don't want to look past now in, in February or March, but it's very well built for next season too. It is. It is. And that's um, just a well, heads up to everybody in the HCA. Yeah. <laughs> Grace and Grace are two seniors. Yeah. Uh, you know, they – I mean, Grace Shope has now started for three years, and so – outside of all the amazing things she brings on the court, she brings a lot of experience and expectations. And so when things aren't going up to standard, she'll be the first to tell people um, and does it in the nicest way possible, but she makes sure they know. And Grace Bringer, kind of same thing. She missed her whole sophomore year with an injury Mm. and then first practice out of the gate or junior year got hurt. And so for a lot of people, they probably didn't even know where she came from. And she's the one person that can block Maddie Kelly on just about every time. And we laugh about it because nobody else can get her. Um, so <laughs> after, after a couple of years, she's kind of timed her up a little bit. Um, but she's, you know, she's six, three and long. And so she can get to things and um, she get, you know, gives us a different look in the middle of the zone. And that has helped us a lot. And we haven't even, t- you know, and that adds into, we have five great freshmen. Our freshman class is awesome. And, you know, then January, they really started to turn the corner down the stretch. And um, they have saved us a few times when we've been in foul trouble or some other things, you know, that kind of just happen in games and they come in and they knock down shots. They really can shoot the ball. So people don't even know that yet. 
Um, they have some great shooters in that class, and Emily Teal gives us another, you know, strong, strong person inside. So there are lots of pieces, um, and in COVID times, that probably matters more than anything. Yeah, I was going to say the other aspect of this is you guys haven't been affected. It seems like things have been good for you guys, but the way this darn virus has been acting yeah. at any team, it's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. How would you deal with losses to depth or losses to starters if you have to go into a, a, a big game in the ECAC? It might be Rose Holman, for example. Yeah. How, how do you feel comfortable now? It's a question I don't think we were even thinking about talking about in December. Yeah, you know, we I think one of the things that matters to us is that we're always getting our freshmen prepared. And that, you know, last year that was a whole different kind of thought process, but this year as well. Um, our freshmen solely have played a couple games the entire fourth quarters mm. um, and were able to win those. And, you know, there's a nice balance of them playing kind of all on their own and then them always being mixed in with our other players. Sure. And, you know, practice is the same way. Sometimes they're on their own and sometimes they're mixed in. And so at this point, they're able to really compete. And they, they, you know, they know their strengths. They know what they're able to do really well now. They know what they're working on. Um, and so, you know, obviously you always want your whole team and all of your options. Um, but two of our, you know, when we played Tufts, we were missing a starter. And when we played John Carroll, we were missing a starter. So we've already won two of our bigger games without our full roster. Um, you know, we had a really tough fall. There was a lot of things that happened you know, family things off the court that were really hard for our team. Um, but I actually think it, you know, it really bonded them stronger together. It's been tough times. And, and while they were going through some really hard things off the court, it, you know, I think also it just makes you that much stronger when you're watching your teammates have to do, you know, handle these type of things that are bigger than basketball. And, but man, they showed that they can really rally when you're winning those games, missing starters. Um, and so I think we feel good about our depth and what we're able to do. Uh, Brian Lane says uh, we're going to be having to call you Dr. Julie <laughs> folks at some point in the near future. Can, can you at least give us a heads up and, and what will the doctoral ship be in? Uh, the doctoral is it's a doctor in leadership. Okay. And the only person I will make call of that is Brian Lane. Well, the, rightly um, so. <laughs> Rightly so. You must yeah. you must have him do that. Yes. So COVID may push it back a little bit, but hopefully we're done by August. Um, okay. Yeah. So no, we'll it's kind of pick it back up after basketball season. <laughs> uh, I was reminded from reading your bio and from a friendly text message because I totally blanked. Uh, my brain had only gone as far back as your Lewis and Clark coaching days. You played for Dixie Jeffers, something we haven't sure talked a lot about on this show the Christmas Eve uh, news drop that was yeah. on a Friday, Dixie Jeffers essentially retiring immediately from both the coaching and the AD job that she was interim for. Um, your your thoughts on on Dixie's hanging it up a little bit, and your thoughts on playing for? Yeah, well, you know, back in the day, you know, <laughs> when I played for Dixie, she was you know defensive defensive guru. Yes. Um, and, and I will be honest, when I first started coaching, I was on that side. And then I really realized good or bad. My passion was for the other end of the court. <laughs> um, I can understand. And I, you know, yeah. um, and I hate losing enough to work on defense, but it's, it's <laughs> there not you what go. excites me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I was surprised. I think like everybody else, um, you know, she wasn't able to come to our tournament, and I was looking forward to that. We had never played against each other. Yeah, I noticed that she didn't coach in that one. Yeah, um, so she wasn't able to be there that weekend, and 
Uh, her assistant was actually one of the male practice players. Um, oh, really? You know, when I played. So, you know, I've known Jason Wright, her one assistant for obviously a really long time. Yeah. Was, you know, he was in charge of getting all of our fans to games and he did a great job of that. Um, you know, she's had a great career and, you know, you know it is impressive how many uh, of the coaches in that league uh, have been doing this for a long time. Several of them recruited me and I am not young anymore. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, she had a great career and, um, you know, I, I don't know kind of all that went on there, but, um, you know, hopefully everything is okay up there and, you know, looking forward to whoever, whoever is there next. It's a great place to coach and work. I'm not saying you have to leave Transylvania, but <laughs> you're an alum. I, I am an alum. I'm not I putting you on the spot either. I, I will say this. I'm smart enough to know I have one of the best bosses in the country. There you go. Um, and she, you know, she read the tea leaves on a lot of things with everything and has been able to keep us playing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy right where I'm at. But I don't that is, it's yeah. a great place. And I, you know, I want Capital to be winning and doing well. But as long as it's not against you. As long as it, you know, yep. they can, any other game. I don't, I, we're going long and I apologize for our next guest, but I got to ask you, you mentioned the, the, the uh, practice player. I was a practice player in my college day for the women's team. So I've got to ask you this. Yeah. Did you go harder at the practice players in practice <laughs> and attack them? Or did you go harder at the players in the game? You know, I, it's a hard thing. We have met, we have three baseball guys every year that help us out. And they're our best practices when they're there. You know, everybody rises to the occasion and nobody, nobody kind of backs down or has any problem, you know, putting a shoulder into somebody. No, I noticed um, that when I was around. Yeah. So I think kind of everybody, you know, the male practice players, they, they come in, they make us better. And, you know, they, they also probably take a beating sometimes. It's unfair. I I was told not, obviously not to go too aggressive, which totally made sense. I I was a lot skinnier than I was now. Um, (laughs) But at some point, I remember halfway through one of the seasons, one of the coaches pulled me aside and said, no, we're done. Go at them. Yeah. Because they were coming after me, and all of a sudden, it became a war. Yeah. but I, You know, and I wish, I, you know, I understand the NCAA's uh, perspective on this. Yeah, in some took advantage I would, of it. I would love to be able to have, I would love to be able to have them in more. I think that just gives us a different look, and, you know, we're able to do different things when we're not always having to go against ourselves. And so for us, that's always a great day because we can have them do, you know, things that our team doesn't do naturally or well because it's not what we do. And so using them makes our team better all the time. So yeah. I would always be a proponent to expand that legislation, well, especially in COVID years. <laughs> I was going to say, and the other thing too is maybe D3, like many yeah. things, should have an exemption to some degree too. Yeah. Hey, It would certainly make some practices better some days. Yeah, better and maybe – Get an extra trainer around. Might might need yeah, that some wounds to be licked up. Uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for the time. Always love chatting with you. Um, enjoy the donuts. Uh, that's a little side joke. Um, keep Brian in place and do us a favor. At least say hello to Bat for us. We're all huge fans of it now. Now that we know the entire story behind yeah. the pioneers. Uh, as always, give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who might be tuned in? Uh, you know, we're, you know, I think our team is super excited. Um, you know, a funny random side story about the bat. The only, the last conference game we lost at home was the day they unveiled the bat. Um, oh, really? Was, yeah, it was. Uh, okay, I didn't know that. 2017, they unveiled the bat the day we played Rose Holman on the, and um, we did not win, but that was the last home conference game we didn't win. So our seniors, have, our team has never lost a home conference game right now. So 
That's, um, not, knock on wood, we were not even playing games, so I guess we can't even test that record anymore. That's fascinating. I all right, yeah. good to know. I mean, I've known a lot about. I learned a lot about the bat in Vegas. <laughs> I'm now adding that you don't necessarily like debuts of mascots. Got it. <laughs> there we go. Take. Hopefully, we don't have another one coming soon. Exactly. Right. No. <laughs> no. Really. Let's just keep it the way it is. Hey, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Good luck right. the rest of the season. Look forward to cut, touching base with you down the road. And uh, take care of yourself and stay safe. All right. You too. Thanks so much, Dave. Yep. Julie Folks joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate her coming on. Fun to chat. We're way late on our next guest. Brian will understand, I'm sure. We'll take another break. When we come back, continue talking women's basketball. Simpson men's bas- women's basketball. Brian Nemeth will join us. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to to stop stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Great conversation with Julie Folks. Really appreciate her time. Fun stuff. Uh, can, uh, we look forward to seeing how Transylvania does down the road. Um, again, if you ever look up, uh, we're going to get the book. Gordon got the book. I'm going to look up the title. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Great book by a former Division Three SID about all the mascots in Division Three, and that's how we got all the info on the Transylvania Bat. Um, we're, we've got it ordered. It'll go into our bookshelf at some point. Gusty's Guy, Guy Oh, I forgot the name. We'll look it up. We'll get it in a minute. 
Speaking of women's basketball, keep the topic going. We'll tweet this one out in a minute. Simpson off to a tremendous start. They're 12-1 and on the season, 4-0 and in the ARC, and they are number six in the D3Hoops.com, T3Hoops.com, top 25. Uh, if memory serves, because I don't have it in front of me, blasted Wartburg in conference play, which certainly leapfrogged them uh, in the top 25. Haven't had Brian on in a while, so we decided let's try out a new thing. He's joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, and he's joining us via the telephone, which we haven't done in quite some time, and I'm thrilled because this is what the whole audio board was designed for. Brian, thanks for joining the show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, too, but uh, I'm, I've been on, on the move all evening, and that's why I had to grab it. Oh, no. No, no worries. We literally got this audio board with a couple of bells and whistles strictly to do what we're doing with you. So I appreciate it. COVID is how Zoom became so popular. Before COVID, we barely had coaches who, who came on via video. So it's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. Hey, okay. um, listen, hats off on the season so far. I mean, you've always had a good team. That's no surprise to anybody by any stretch of the imagination. You, you, you. And the battles with Wartburg, of course, have always been tough as well. But 12-1 and start, you're number six in the top 25. You're uh, 4-0 and in conference play. You're one loss to Eau Claire, which is, is, is playing pretty well this season. Again, you blitz Wartburg 90-74. to You beat lacrosse at one point this season. And you're coming off a big win over Buena Vista. Were you expecting this good a team this year? Well, I can say I was hoping for this good a team. We had... A good group coming back, and then we added a couple seniors that returned for their COVID year. And so I knew our leadership would be good. I knew we returned a lot of uh, experience. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't know for sure. I, I certainly hoped that we would have uh, this kind of year. Yeah. Listen, again, we're expecting you guys to always have a tremendous season because you guys have been good over time. Uh, eight, you know, twelve and zero last year in the COVID year. You're eighteen and eight the year before that. Twenty and seventeen. Honestly, it was a couple of years there between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen that it was almost anti stormish. Normally, you yeah. have always competitive teams. What happened yeah. then, and how have you gotten over it? Well, <laughs> I became the athletic director at Simpson College. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I learned real quick that uh, the time you have to put into that was taking time away from basketball. So uh, they let me go back to strictly basketball, and we've started to rebuild a little bit, and and uh, we're having fun. I, I don't want to distract from this year's team, but you bring up an interesting point. There's a number of Division three of ADs who are also head coaches, and I've always said that split kind of affects the team, and, and you eventually see it. It may not be right away, but a year or two later, it starts to become unnoticeable, whether it's because of recruiting or lack of – being able to prep for practice or a game, whatever it is. Everybody's got a different variation of that. When did you realize it? And I'm kind of curious, was it a tough decision with others to let you let go of the AD stuff? You know, I didn't know it going in that it would be that difficult to, to do justice to both, but it didn't take me long to figure out that one or the other was going to have to go. And, and, uh, you know, while I was AD, my assistant did a great job of of uh, running basketball. But basketball was where my heart was. I went to the president, asked him if I could go back to strictly coaching, and and uh, he was okay with that. And and uh, 
You know, we ended up hiring an AD that is an AD only, which I think was a great move. And so it, it wasn't hard for me to figure it out. Um, I told him when I took the job that if it affected basketball, I would want to go back to just coaching. So they kind of knew that ahead of time. And so it was, uh, it was a, it was a good move for me experience wise to just get a, the five years as AD now that I can say I've done it. And, um, but I'm glad I'm just coaching and that we have Marty Bell as our AD right now. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, a lot of programs, I think eventually schools eventually figured out and some of them just, just, they haven't gone in that direction. So I appreciate the, the slight insight there we got with it back to your season again, got off the gate with Gustavus Adolphus, uh, on the 12th of November. And then you had a bunch of games kind of all in a row in a 10, 10 day span. You played five games, Northwestern, Loris, Eau Claire, lacrosse and superior. Oh, by the way, there are also all on the road. Um, not at your place. And you only took the one, uh, blip there against Eau Claire 72 to 70. How tough was that stretch? It, it was, it was uh, challenging and, and, and it was challenging with a purpose. I mean, I scheduled this to knowing that we would have uh, a pretty good experienced group coming back. And I, I knew I needed to challenge them. And so we, you know, I think our, our schedule is ranked like number two, as far as toughness goes, I think what I wanted to accomplish was playing tough teams on the road, playing with short turnarounds, um, getting used to climbing off that bus and, and mentally being prepared to play one of the better teams in Division Three. And, and um, you know, we, we ended up 8-1 and one through our non-conference season. As you said, Eau Claire got us and and uh, they are a very good team. Um, so I think it, it, uh, it helped make us uh, – well, hopefully it will help make us a better team as we get into further into the conference season. Odd question, but just something you're talking about there makes me wonder. Uh, Wartburg, obviously, in this conference kind of came on – was about five or so years ago. Of course, in 2018, they were 31-1, and one, and surrounding that, they had 25, 23, 27-game win seasons. Did you guys from, not the outside, but from another conference school, look at what they were doing in terms of scheduling? Because they always tended to have a, a tournament that was stacked with talent, um, or in other ways. Did you look at what they were doing and try to mimic it, or was there something else that caused you to say, you know what, we're going out there and we're going to schedule, we're going to schedule hard. Yeah, I'd say it was something else. I I don't, I guess, pay attention to what the other teams schedule in our okay. conference, but I, I do know that um, we needed to be challenged. And, and you know, we can, we've talked about this a lot. We can win games on talent, but if we're going to get better, we've got to play good teams and we've got to mentally prepare to, to try and find something to challenge us. Well, the schedule was the first thing I thought of uh, as far as a challenge goes for our team. Um, you know, how tough can I schedule and how much do I want to put on the road and, and uh, in short turnarounds on this team? And, and I went all in, and, and I got to give credit to the team. They've, you know, they've responded. And, and uh, um, as I told them, it's, it's the toughest. Uh, schedule I've ever put one of my teams into mm. and I've had some pretty good teams and and uh, so I'm, I'm glad with what we've been able to do with it 
Yeah, I should again mention Gustavus Adolphus Northwestern, then Loris, Eau Claire Lacrosse Superior, Co Wartburg Alfred, obviously Co and Wartburg Conference play, Westminster, Missouri, uh, Lacrosse again, obviously just dumb luck there. Um, Bethany Lutheran, and then obviously into into conference play with Buena Vista. And everyone's having tremendously good seasons, and you're coming out with some interesting wins because you're coming out of games winning 70 to 56 or maybe a loss 72 to 70, but you're also coming out of games 99-74. You're you you have a lot of different kind of styles, it feels like this season. Yeah, I think we can play because of the different teams we've played, we've had to play different styles. And uh, I do think that's one of the things that we do well is we can adapt. We can, you know, we like to play fast. We like to press. We like to run. uh, And I think we're good at it. Um, But I also know that if we get caught in a slowdown game where somebody tries to hold the ball and we've got to figure out ways to win those kind of games. And and, uh, so far we've been able to do that. So I do think that we're flexible with how we can play which hopefully will will uh, help us as we get into the season a little further. But I think we can play fast. I, I don't want to play slow, but I think we can if we have to. And so um, we've kind of found ourselves a little bit in that, you know, we're, we're a flexible team. We can, we've got players that can play, you know, a lot of different positions, um, we play a lot of different styles. We've got four different defenses we play, um, you know, offensively. We've got people that – we've got our post player who's probably our best three-point shooter. Um, we've got a, an off guard that can post people up. So I, I like what we can do and, and how we're not fitting the norm, I guess, to kind of say. Um, and so I think it's – what makes us what we are right now? Um, you've got 18 players who have jersey numbers. You have 25 on the roster. Interestingly enough, nobody in single digits. on. I, I don't think I've seen many rosters without single-digit uniforms. Um, and you're playing a lot of players. If you look at uh, the top seven in scoring have all played 13 games. Uh, you've got another three that have played 10 or more and a couple of handful more that have played seven or more. Obviously, some of the games have been well in hand, so you can go deep in the bench, but you've even gone deep in the bench in tight games. Yeah, I think for the way we play, the style with the, the up-tempo, uh, you have to have that depth. And And I was listening to Julie a little bit right before this, and she talked about her freshman, and, and we basically have seven starters. I mean, I have seven players that I I think could could start for us. and, mm. and uh, but the freshmen are, are uh, kind of filling in the spots behind that at eight, nine, and 10. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're learning as they go, as, as she said. And, and uh, but I feel comfortable putting them in. And so, you know, when you get in foul trouble or um, right now we have somebody out hurt, uh, you know, you can fill in. And so that's, that's been very helpful. Of the seven players who essentially would be those starters, um, counting graduates and seniors as the same class, five of them are seniors with one junior, one sophomore, and they're all averaging 22, 23, or 20 minutes plus a game. So in other words, they're playing more than half the game. But again, to your point, 
you're filling in with juniors and freshmen and sophomores as well. And so they're getting that playing experience. But to some degree, unlike what Julie's situation is in, in the sense that she's got that core group who's returning next year, this is kind of the group for this year, unless some of those seniors come back next year for another year, right? That's correct. We, you know, we'll have two back for sure. And I've got a third that has the ability to come back for a fifth year. And then, you know, and then the freshmen are, as I tell them every day, you're playing against some of the, the best people in the conference. And so you're getting a chance to get better. And I think that, uh, that has been a good challenge for them. I, you know, we have a first team all American player and, uh, you know, the, the freshmen that are going against her, hopefully, um, are learning how to play the game at the college level a little bit and, and, uh, what it takes off the court to be a college athlete. And, and, uh, so hopefully some of them will be able to step in with, the the returners that we have. Yeah. Jenna Taylor is killing it. Um, 17 points a game, 8.4 rebounds a game, two assists per game, an assist-to-turnover ratio of 1.4 to 1. By the way, she's shooting 56.5% from the floor and 42% from deep on top of being an 83% free throw shooter. Does she have a flaw in her game? <laughs> well, if, if, uh, if I'm answering as a coach, I'd say we could always work on her defense. But, um, <laughs> Offensively, I yeah, she's she's really hard to guard. I mean, if, if you put somebody smaller on her, she'll take you inside. If if uh, you have a, a big post on you on her, then she'll she can take you outside and and hit the three. And, and you know, she's worked hard to become the player she is. And uh, I hope my other players can learn from her what it takes to get to that level. She wasn't obviously that good as an incoming freshman. It's all through her work ethic, and and uh, I'm I'm thrilled for her that she's having this success, as I think she deserves it from uh, from all the hours she's put into basketball. What's amazing is the other things that jump out of me when I look at just the statistical side of this team. You're outscoring your opponents by twenty point six game twenty point six points per game, but you as a team are shooting better than forty eight percent from the floor, better than thirty six percent from beyond the arc. You've got players like Nash who are shooting 61% from the floor, Kincaid's at 53%, a whole host of players at 40-plus percent. Those are some really good shooting numbers. Is that something that can continue all season, and what's been the magic? Well, I hope so. Um, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because, to be honest with this team, it, it, I'd like to think it was magic. And that, uh, you know, they were having some good luck. But it comes down to the work that uh, my assistant does with them with individual workouts during the season. Um, you know, she gets them in the gym uh, in groups of two or three. And, and they work hard on their shooting. And, and you know, I think in practice we, we do a lot of stuff with shooting. And, and I always think, you know, if you can make baskets, you got chance. To, to win a game you know it's uh we try to score off of our defense but uh the whole key is in basketball is putting the ball in the hoop and yeah. and uh so we we try and work on that a lot and and we do have some good shooters yeah no absolutely and and three-point shooting we mentioned taylor 40 42 percent 
Um, oh, by the way, you also have uh, Freeland or Freeland at forty percent from deep. Um, yeah. Rasmussen at forty-two and a half percent from deep. Uh, Wanek at thirty-eight percent from deep. You've got a pick your poison from from three-point land as well. Yeah, I mean we we have that ability to to score from outside, which opens up the inside a little bit. But you know, a couple years ago. Uh, Jenna Taylor led the nation, all three divisions in three-point shooting. Um, Kaya Rasmussen a couple years ago was second in the nation in three-point shooting. And uh, Reagan Freeland is is, uh, only a sophomore, but she can certainly shoot it from out there. Anna is a a D2 transfer who who can shoot it from out there. So um, it's not only... The fact that they can shoot it out there, it's the fact that they continue to work on it so that they they get better at it. Yeah, pretty impressive, uh, to say the least, and obviously a reason you're a top-10 program. Um, and winning games against Warburg the way you did. Switching gears, you've already lost your game against Luther coming up on uh, Saturday. Obviously, everyone's starting to deal with these postponements and cancellations and, and just disruptions, as it were, to the schedule how are you guys, obviously, as you start to deal with your first one of these, <clears throat> dealing with it, and, and what are you expecting the rest of the way? Boy, that's, uh, that's a loaded question. I, <laughs> I really don't know what to expect. I, I hope that, uh, you know, I, I, I just assumed colleges would have spike of COVID when everybody comes back to campus. Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't last long and that it goes, take a, a turn downward quickly. Um, yeah, we did lose our first game for this Saturday with Luther, and so we'll have an inter-squad scrimmage and try and stay sharp. Uh, hope, hopefully that uh, we can continue to play games. And, and uh, you know, we, as a conference, at first we're going to have, if you didn't play, it was a forfeit. I think tomorrow we'll find out that, now they're going to try and make up those games. And, and uh, so whatever they end up doing, you know, we'll try and follow the program and, and do the best we can. But uh, right now we just, we're just trying to focus on the next game. So I think if you start thinking and worrying about how many games can be canceled and, and what's going to happen, you lose focus on what you're, what you're trying to get done. So, Man, it's uh, yeah. It, I'm hoping we don't get back to the point where we were last year, where you know the NCAA thinks about closing down Division Three uh, championships, and I don't want to get to that point. Sure, of course. Good that you're not having to worry about the administrative side of things <laughs> anymore. That, that, be right. Yeah. Hey, well, what do you expect of the conference race, though? You know, as it were to play out. You've got a game lead on Warburg and Luther, obviously, but um, I, I've known this conference to be kind of sneaky sometimes. What are you expecting this year? Well, it's uh, it is. It's a conference that if you're not ready to play somebody, and and uh, just because their record isn't isn't uh, as good, um, they'll sneak up and and invite you. So, <clears throat> you know, we uh, I think besides ourselves, I think Warburg, Loris. As you said, Luther's three and one right now in conference. Um, there's a lot of teams that can beat anybody, so I expect it to come down to the last couple games again uh, to see who will 
get the number one seed for the tournament. Well, as always, um, I, I appreciate the the insight. Haven't gotten you on as much as we probably should have, but we'll work on that. Um, pretty impressed with the start. Uh, some of the, the numbers that jump off the screen certainly have have been impressive, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys play the season out. I'm 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 really intrigued. Um, and I congratulate you guys, and good luck with all the COVID stuff. As always, we give the guests the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, Dave, it's, it's, like you said earlier, it's been a few years since I, I've talked uh, with you, and it's good to be back. And um, I'm, I'm telling you, I think this Division Three season is going to be exciting. I hope we continue to have the games and, and get into the championship. Uh, with the NCAA as far as uh, finishing out the season. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be a year that, you know, there's so many great teams. And, and Brian's team at Hope is mm-hmm. is probably the one everybody is shooting for right now. But uh, it'll be fun to follow how, how it all plays out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly glad to see you guys uh, somewhat back in the mix. So, Thanks for taking the time. Stay safe out there, whether it's on the road recruiting or, or scouting or, or just staying away from COVID. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to touching base with the storm later on. Appreciate it, Dave. Absolutely. He's Brian Nemeth joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Apparently my audio wasn't there, folks. We'll try that one again. Uh, I don't know where we left off. We'll just say this much. Good to see Simpson back up and running. Uh, I'm playing well. I uh, appreciate Coach taking the time to join us. We will take a break. Come back. Kevin Apple join us from Williams. Talk men's basketball with us. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. More after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Thanks to all our guests so far, Julie Folks and Brian Nemeth, for joining us on the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3HoopsHill or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, or we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also simulcasting the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Daryl Duncan saying, I finally get to catch you live for once. Hello from the chilly Northwest. Uh, thank you, Daryl. And he says the studio looks good. Well, good. We're trying to make it even look better. Clean up some of the mess that's still back there. And we got a few new uh, uh, things to hang up as well. So if anybody wants to send us stuff, we'll find a hole for it. Um, and in some of the more tweaks, you get to see more of the studio than just this one camera shot. But all in the works. All right, so we'll switch men's basketball now and talk uh, Williams, talk NESCAC, which we haven't really talked a lot about in terms of getting them on the show to talk about the NESCAC. Um, as you probably have heard in the top 25 conversations I've had with uh, Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman and others, I, I've been a little leery to vote for NESCAC teams because I just don't know. I, I, the COVID year threw me for a lurch, and I know NESCAC teams don't necessarily get to hold on to a lot of players to come back for a fifth year or a sixth year for that matter. Um, but Williams is playing well, admittedly. Uh, undefeated, ranked 17th in the top 25. So about time we get some answers, right? So join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. It's Kevin App of the Williams Eves men's basketball team. Uh, first and foremost, sir, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, doing doing well. Um, yeah, excited for hopefully get uh, – you know, 2022 uh, going sooner than later. Yes. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, the, the hiccups and the bumps and the, and the hurdles that you guys have faced in the last uh, few days and few weeks and, and such. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that, again, the NESCAC didn't play last year. A lot of teams kind of sat on the sideline and, and couldn't do much, while other teams at least tried to play. Obviously not a majority of Division Three. Un, help me understand something. Is it accurate to say that our impression of the NESCAC also is that you lost the players in that time as well because they can't come back necessarily to a Williams or an Amherst for a fifth year? And so in some ways, you guys all lost a good chunk of some really good basketball teams and, and we're starting this year a little bit from an unknown position. Uh, it really was... Um very circumstantial school by school. Um, you know, I know some schools in the league did lose uh, a lot of kind of their upperclassmen. Uh, we were pretty fortunate that uh, most of our team, 12 of our 15 uh, on the roster last year decided to take some academic time off. 
Gotcha. Uh, and, you know, we're able to kind of hold their, I guess, place um, in their class. So, um, you know, really every school was different. Every decision was personal. Um, and it really just kind of came down to, to those two circumstances. So, um, you know, you had the extremes where Middlebury lost, their, you know, just about the, our, their whole senior class from last year that was returning a great group to, um, you know, some in, some in the league lost a couple in the class and not, uh, not all of them. Um, and we were lucky to not graduate anybody, some movement class-wise, but, um, you know, really just kind of depended upon um, the school. Some schools were able to play a little bit more. We had, you know, in the fall semester, two on campus doing individual workouts and one on campus in the spring doing individual workouts. Wow. Uh, so he was, he was the happiest guy to have some teammates in the first practice. Yeah. On the flip of that, I also heard from a lot of coaches at the beginning of the year saying, you know, we're going to see some, maybe some ugly basketball or at least some inconsistent basketball. We already know at Division Three, you can't work with the student athletes year round. There's, there's pluses for that. There's good reason for that. You just explained you had three students total on campus the entire last year. So there's a lot of guys you didn't get to work with necessarily one-on-one -on -one in any general sense or even get to see. How hard was it to get everybody back on page? Obviously, 9-0 is a good start to show that you guys did well, but how hard was it to get everybody kind of back in sync to the Williams way? Uh, so, I mean, we spent a lot of time on Zooms and, um, you know, I give our guys credit last year when they were not on campus, they found ways to spend a lot of time together in different capacities. Um, but yeah, I mean, the relationship part was the part we really had to, um, you know, kind of just get back used to everybody being in the same place. Um, you know, not just doing what you want when you want, uh, that stuff affected other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, Declan Porter, our first year, I, he, he committed in April of 2020 and I, I first met him when in, in person, when he moved to campus, this, uh, this fall, uh, which is, which is crazy. So, um, but you know, the, the one difference and, you know, good thing for us this year was the NESCAC allowed us to start practice, uh, October 15th, instead of waiting until November 1st. Kind of strange. Um, so after that year off, you know, getting in the gym a little earlier allowed us to, um, you know, kind of uh, coach a little bit slower and, and kind of ramp things up um, for that first game. So uh, that definitely helped with this year in particular. And, um, you know, we had a group that had a lot of experience uh, as, uh, you know, a lot of their first year experience was, you know, the 2019, 2020 year. So, um, you know, they're a year and a half older physically, um, but still kind of have that experience factor of, you know, getting their feet wet that year. So uh, I think all that, those factors kind of allowed us to, um, you know, kind of play, uh, you know, solid basketball right away. What's interesting is you, you talk about all those nuances and, and, and guys not around, but being able to catch up. Do you think the NESCAC will allow you now to start on the 15th, or was that just a one-off because of COVID? It's above my pay grade. Yeah, I realize. I figured I'd take a shot at it. No, I, I, I mean, um, I, I do think the one thing, um, you know, the one benefit coming out of COVID is I think people have acknowledged just the the real mental, emotional, physical um, aspect of, of, of athletics and um, the role that plays in the students' lives uh, and the campus lives. So, um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, you know, we, we approached it in the right way where we uh, showed that, you know, um, 
know, we can do it with facilities and staffing and, you know, not take away from their academics and actually give them more flexibility um, in those realms than, you know, kind of the rush start of November 1st. So um, we'll see. We, we, you know, talked a little bit about that as a group when we started October 15th of, um, you know, the reasons we were doing it and what we were trying to show um, and how we were trying to kind of communicate it to other people uh, on campus. If the rest of the division can do it, right? Um, again, 9-0 start. SUNY Oneonta was your first game on, on November 16th, won that one in overtime, then got past Curry, Salem State, Mass College, all at home, traveled to SUNY Delhi, then got past Worcester State, Wesleyan in conference. Uh, well, not in conference. Yeah, it's the little three game. Um, Union, Springfield, and then to what we'll talk about in a minute. How did you feel you started in those first nine? Was it how you expected? Was it smooth? Could you have played better? I mean, six, one half dozen, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, the first game against Oneonta, I mean, uh, 633 days between competition. So yeah. You um, counted? <laughs> there were some nerves uh, for sure in that one, but uh, against a good kind of, um, you know, upperclassmen, physical team that, that, you know, played great and made shots and had a few games under them. Um, so it was nice to get that one. And um, yeah, I think our guys approached that year uh, or that first semester too. 2019-2020, um, we lost to uh, uh, Union, Springfield, and Oneana. So um, they wanted to kind of, you know, right the ship on on those games, um, you know. But I, I thought we played well. Um, you know, definitely had some really good stretches of great basketball. Um you know, never really felt we put the whole 40 minutes together, but that was kind of the what the first semester is always about of um, really kind of uh, learning about ourselves as a group, what what's working, what's not working, uh, solidifying roles. And I think we did a phenomenal job of uh, of those aspects and, um, you know, one in different ways. We, we didn't shoot great against Worcester State, still found a way to um, to buckle down defensively and win. Um, you know, Springfield seemed to make every three in the second half and, and still um, – you know, we found a way to win on the road. Um, you know, we found ourselves down 17 at Wesleyan in the first half and, and you know, just kind of stuck with it and stayed connected. And, um, you know, we're down three uh, in our first game and, and could have panicked, um, worried about losing. And, you know, guys made play after play, held, I think, only on a score list for the last 10 minutes of um, kind of regulation and overtime. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we learned a lot about ourselves as a group and, um you know, had our own, you know, Alex Stoddard was one of the few guys that played in every game two years ago. And, you know, after the first game, we lose him for the semester and, um, you know, wake up one morning, Cole Proud Smith can't play against Union and different guys stepped up. And um, so, you know, all, all the stuff you want to see in the first semester, for sure. Yeah. Better in the first than in the in the last few games, for sure. Uh, mental note on the Wesleyan game, they, they had you 40-33 at halftime. You held them to 20 in the second half while scoring 36. It was, it was, a flip there. Wesleyan looks like they're a pretty good team. Obviously, uh, a barn burner with your rival at Amherst. Did that game give you a sense of what to expect in the conference? Uh, I mean, that is what we expect. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the it's a rival, I realize. Yeah. I mean, Coach Riley does you know a great job. They're, they're long, they're physical, they're athletic. Um, I think the, the pace uh, they played at in the first half – you know, I said after that game, it's really hard to simulate in practice. And, you know, they just kind of blitzed us. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about our group and that they, you know, 
kind of enjoyed it. They, they, they oh, were, really? you know, kind of bounced right back and said, Oh, let's, you know, we're here to compete and let's, let's find a way and um, made some big plays and buckled down. But um, yeah, it's, you know, uh, I think, um, you know, everyone knew Wesley and, you know, they returned a lot. They have a lot of upperclassmen that have played a lot uh, over their career right now and, um, you know, have good balance to them. So um, yeah, that's always a great, uh, you know, barometer for us. Um, are we ready for the physicality and athleticism uh, in our league? Uh, we'll get to the league in a second more. You kind of bring up, are you ready for the physicality and such? And, and one of the knocks that the conference has taken is is the non-conference schedule. And listen, that, I don't want to hem and haw on that, but I am curious, what is your mentality when it does come to that scheduling? Are you, you by the way, you should point out, and we'll talk about it in a minute, you obviously had Yeshiva on the schedule this season as well. So it's not like you're not shying away from some tough opponents, but what is the mentality from your perspective? How do you try and prepare for conference play in your non-conference scheduling? Uh, you win and or lose and you learn about your team. I mean, uh, you know, the funny thing about scheduling is like we play Yeshiva three years and, you know, the first two times we beat them, you guys say we don't have a good schedule. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, we, so it's, it's, it's always kind of funny. Um, you know, last time I was on the show, we were 15 and 0, we beat, you know, teams that the next year we were, uh, you know, lost to. And uh, one year it's a bad schedule, one year it's a good schedule. So uh, always ironic, but, um, you know, for a lot of us, uh, scheduling is based on, you know, distance, um, sure. regional rivalries, and, and academic calendars. I mean, that's that's really it. We're trying to limit time away from campus for our okay. student athletes and um, who can play on those dates. So, I mean, that's well, that's, that's why real- I ask because I mean, some are just yeah. jet setting and, and finding places to go play and 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 taking all comers, but maybe they don't have, as you point out, the mentality of trying not to be away from the campus too much. And so that's why I wanted that. That question is, is there's that aspect. Are you looking for particular teams that you know will prep you for the conference? Maybe you're not. And, and everybody's different. And so that's kind of why I, the genesis of the question. I was kind of curious, the crux of it. Um, I mean, every, I mean, every team should prepare you for um, the next game. And, you know, but we, we have our model and it's based on the academics. And then we, we travel to a region where we got guys on the team. That's why we were going to Virginia. Uh, we're supposed to go to Virginia this year because we yeah. have – or North Carolina to DC. And then, um, you know, we've been out to California, been out to Ohio. Um, so it's so a lot of that's based on kind of who we have on our roster. Um, but you know, really for us, the times we can travel or, um, you know, really that winter break. And that, after that, besides that, it's, you know, roughly a, you know, two, two and a half hour, um, you know, radius for us. Got it. At least you're in Western mass. Uh, that's, that's a little easier to pull off some of those games. Um, and I don't even I can't even see what you're supposed to because there's so many changes to the schedule. But to your point, you're supposed to be down to the WNL tournament, uh, which obviously featured WNL. I can't remember who else, unfortunately. Uh, you replace that with maybe going to the Utica Classic, where you're going to play SUNY Poly and uh, Utica. That fell through again. You had the game against Yeshiva. You guys in the last couple of weeks, and you and I have been chatting on the side, have had constant changes. And I remember one of your messages to me was, "I just want to get to tomorrow." Because then tomorrow I'll know what tomorrow is. How difficult has it been to have a schedule that has just absolutely blown up on you, basically in a span of two weeks? Uh yeah. Last week was was a long week. Um, you know, the twenty seventh we were anticipating being on a bus to Virginia. We pushed it to the twenty eighth just to be a little safer. 
then we decided not to do that trip and, you know, found a closer trip and, um, 29th, we thought we were going to Utica, didn't get on the bus to Utica. Uh, 30th thought we were going back to Utica, didn't get on the bus. Um, you know, then we shut down practice for a few days. So, um, you know, it was just kind of a roller coaster week in, in all aspects and, um, you know, but it's all, um, you know, protocol, just making sure we had the right kind of safety and, um, protocols for our student athletes. And, um, it's just kind of a, the perfect storm of, you know, winter break, returning to campus, um, you know, new coronavirus variant that, you know, uh, we just wanted to take a lot of the campuses and schools, I think really just wanted to um, take some time and make sure that, you know, the protocols that worked really well in, um, you know, November and December uh, were still the right kind of rules and protocols to follow. And um, it was hard to do that, you know, at that time of where, you know, during break and, um, you know, returning to campus from all over the country. So um, it was good, but, um, you know, now we're, uh, you know, hoping to start NESCAC uh, tomorrow. Um, you technically lost three games, though we saw five because of all the rearranging. They're still listed as postponed. Do you hope to make those up despite what the conference schedule could or could not allow? Uh, yeah, I mean, we hope to compete as often as we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, our league gives us 24, uh, which is already one less. So we right. you know, um, don't want to sacrifice too many. So, uh, and, you know, student athletes, that's, that's what they're doing it for to yep. get out and compete against somebody else. So uh, we'll do our best to, you know, schedule uh, or reschedule, you know, whatever games we have to, when we have to, and, um, you know, get as creative as, as we need to. So um, who they are, when they are, you know, as I said, we're, we're still day by day. Last, last week we were hour, hour to hour. We're back to day by day. We're All hoping right. to get to, so it's improving. Get to week to week sometimes. <laughs> it's soon. improving. Um, Quickly about the conference, I, I've been wanting to talk about your individual teams. We'll get to them in, in just a second. I wanted to ask, the other thing that's changed a lot since those 633 days, as you pointed out, is there's been some coaching changes. Amherst has changed the coach. Dave Hickson retired since you guys last played. Uh, Bowden and Tufts, I swear I'm missing somebody who also may have changed coaches. And, and interestingly enough, some of those are your toughest opponents as well. How You probably haven't even had a chance yet to understand how that changes a scout or how that changes matchups or how that may change how you approach those opponents, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, it will be, um, you know, uh, different, you know, um, you know, uh, coach Sears at, at Amherst, we played him at Montclair state a few years ago. Um, you know, I know, know coach Linton, he, um, you know, we both, you know, worked at army West point, um, you know, I know uh, some people that know Coach Lloyd. So it, it's great people entering the league and, you know, they're going to build their programs and do a great job. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's part of like, all right, well, let's, let's uh, throw out all the old uh, scouting reports and, and, you know, enjoy that aspect of it. Enjoy that, you know, maybe they won't guard us the same way for the, you know, eighth year in a row or, or whatever. <laughs> but, um, so, but, uh, but no, that'll be, you know, another kind of change, um, you know, exciting part of the league and, um, yeah, I guess the, the interesting part was two of the, you know, Amherst and, and Tufts at least were, you know, older teams, um, True. you know, coming back to this year, um, you know, on paper and, you know, but then you, you have a coaching change and, um, you know, it, it can change that dynamic a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. Let's talk about your squad a little bit here. Uh, you've got really, a, I, I consider it five guys in double figures. Cause you got two in the nine point range that could easily be at 10 with a good game. 
Uh, you're led by Cole Prowitz-Smith at 16 points a game, Nate Karen at, at 13, uh, Porter uh, Declan Porter, sorry, uh, at 10 points a game, uh, Spencer Spivey at 9.5. I mentioned Alex Stoddard. He had nine points in his first game. You mentioned first half semester loss, hopefully coming back. Um, tell me a little bit about that core, but then tell me about the, the bigger group because one thing that jumps out at me, and you said it, you're playing a lot of guys. This isn't an eight-man rotation necessarily. You're going 10, 12, pretty deep in the in the bench. But tell me a little bit about that core group at the start. Yeah, they've done, they've done a you know a great job. I mean, Cole, uh, Proud Smith, Spencer, Spivey, and, and Nate Karen, um, you know, they got a lot of experience two years ago, um, along with Javon Jones. They were they were um, you know, kind of part of our core, but they were really getting their first taste of it as first years and, and sophomores two years ago. Um, you know, and they worked really hard while they were away from campus. They're, you know, stronger, leaner, whatever they needed to, to uh, do to, you know, put themselves in position to, you know, be more successful consistently. And, um, you know, I think what our group's done well is um, they, they know each other well, they know each other, what each other does well, and they've been putting each other in those positions. Um, you know, and they've each kind of had their moments. And I think when that happens early in the season, it allows everybody to kind of relax a little bit. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, one guy every game that if he doesn't perform, um, you know, we get tense and feel like we won't be successful. Um, you know, the first half against Wesley and Nate carried us. Nate Karen had 19 points in the first half just to, you know, kind of keep us afloat. And um, Cole's had some big games. Uh, Declan Porter had six threes against Springfield. So, um, you know, we've been playing, you know, right around 10 a game. Um, that's where we go into it. We, we feel our depth is – um, you know, one of our advantages and, uh, you know, that shows itself in practice and in games. And, um, you know, some games our, our bench has, you know, really given us a spark and uh, played great. You know, Mark Taylor um, coming back from, you know, some, some pretty major injuries and, and having a great, uh, uh, great campaign so far, um, you know, and they've, they've really kind of changed the tempo uh, certain games. And then other, other games, our starters um, have really just been playing efficient high level basketball as well. Uh, the roster, obviously a mix of, of upperclassmen and underclassmen. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Obviously, a lot of the prep school in New England mixed with a lot of that cross-country uh, dynamic that you guys have. I, gave, I think I gave you guys a hard time about the prep schools because I didn't see one on there. I'll, I'll just say this now. Your your MVP is clearly Brandon Ruffley. Uh, I only say that because he went to the Salisbury School. It's the best school in the land. It really is. Um, and I'm glad somebody went north from Salisbury to find Williams. Oh, they do that all the time, but I mean for athletics. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek, I'm a Salisbury grad. Um, but that mix is interesting to me because you go around the country and find guys in regular high schools, but you also find that prep school, that traditional New England prep school student athlete too. How does that dynamic mix? And, and I'm not saying it's different. I just try and to, to see how that comes together in the different styles and maybe different uh, mentalities of the player coming in? Uh, I mean, it just makes them a little older. Uh, it's okay. never, never hurts. But, um, you know, a lot of our – when we have guys from prep school, I mean, there's been some rosters we've had where we really haven't had, um, you know, that many do the fifth-year PG option. Uh, okay. You know, uh, a lot of times, though – um, they're young men that we actually recruited when they were seniors in high school. Um, they just decided to, to do the fifth year and, uh, we have another year of relationship with them. Um, some years that's the case, some years not, but, um, yeah, there was, a you know, uh, 
by the book, this is going to happen in recruiting every year. I'd, I'd be happy for it. But um, yeah, it really just depends upon the year. It depends upon the kid. And uh, But a lot of the ones that end up at the prep schools and then at Williams, uh, we, we had a relationship with them um, Got it. more often than not uh, in high school. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I was the one who, who didn't do the PG, so I, I hadn't considered that. I saw a lot of PGs. Obviously, a lot of them went to the military schools, especially. I didn't consider that fact. And it's almost, I don't want to say it's become more normal, but it's become certainly more common to see a PG year to either get academics in better shape or to get more athletic experience. Um, I mean, we talked about Duncan Robinson. Didn't he do a PG year or he did something along those lines? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks. I, I, that dynamic I hadn't, I wasn't thinking about at the time. Um, yeah. I could keep talking to you forever, but I got to let you go. I know you got better things to do than chat with me. Um, quick question. Dave Paulson is no longer coaching. Has he been lurking around Williams? Has, has he tried to get into a practice or two and run things? Uh, he, we, we've had some great, um, you know, guest speakers to the team. I can say that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's commentating and helping other programs out, even though I offered him a, uh, you know, lucrative uh, consulting contract. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So that's I'll, awesome. Um, uh, that's great. That's yeah. I didn't realize that little twist, but that's very cool. Uh, um, Coach hey. Coach Paulson and Coach Maker, I got uh, you know just some phenomenal resources, and um, you know they they they're the ones that uh, you know make my job a lot easier with the culture in place already. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, I was going to say one interesting thing about you: you've been there for what? This is your eighth year. Uh, my eighth, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is diabolical to me because it feels like maybe you had just gotten there and Williams has had some turnover. Not that Paulson and maker weren't there for good chunks of time, but I, I feel like you've really made this your home. Uh, yeah. And that was the plan when I, when, you know, they were crazy enough to offer me the job. And, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great place, a great school, uh, just a fun league to work in, um, you know, and then division three athletics. It's, it's, uh, as I said, I think the one thing, uh, that hopefully comes out of this pandemic that, um, you know, we can all remember is uh, just how, you know, valuable this experience can be for for young men and women to, um, you know, compete, work hard together, uh, you know, learn how to work as a team and, you know, just the, the joy and happiness it can bring to, you know, our, our communities too. Um, I think that was the, uh, you know, our first home football game this year at Williams um, to see the community alive again was just, you know, everybody had a smile on their face and, uh, we're trying to do that now through the winter as well, and um, we're going to do our best. Well, good luck. I know conference play again starts with Hamilton and uh, Amherst this weekend. I know that's a, a big chore ahead of you guys, but uh, I know it'll be just fun to compete. Um, good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate you coming on and uh, humoring us, as it were. Uh, as always, you give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, again, just just thank you. Thank you uh, you know, to everything you guys do to uh, promote you know, our schools and, and our leagues and, and this sport, um, you know, it's a, a valuable asset for, for all of us and, and our fans. And, and we really appreciate it. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through this latest variant and uh, hopefully have, uh, you know, as exciting a year as ever. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the time. Really do uh, appreciate it. Enjoy the winter up there as well. And I kind of do miss the winter in the Berkshires. Take care of yourself. and We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dad. Kevin Happ joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. I, I think we'll have to send him a note, just however he wants me to talk about the season and the scheduling. I'll, I'll do it for him. I mean, he's got a point. Maybe we're all over the place in our reasonings for scheduling. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, joined by a couple of assistant commissioners, talk about the craziness that is scheduling. 
or or the rules and conferences and how everything's changing. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Running a little late. Wait, we always run a little late. Uh, great conversation so far tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, quick side note, chatted with Kevin App at the end of that segment. Uh, I, I was curious, does, does Duncan Robinson still stay in touch with that Williams program? I was glad to hear that he does and actually does some things for them every once in a while. That's great to hear for the uh, multimillionaire that is an NBA player now. Talk about... Absolutely crazy. And I will always put on my resume that I called, I was part of the broadcast of his last four games in Division Three. It's just, it's, I got to do something for me off of his coattails. And that's how it's going to be. Uh, when things settle down in the summer, we've always wanted to do kind of a D3 in the pros podcast. And hopefully we'll do that in the summer. We'll get Duncan Robinson, some others like Popovich and stuff on. If we can pull the right strings, uh, get them on and, and talk about it a little bit. But that, that's, that's our hope for the summer. All right, let's switch gears. We were talking at the top of the show about how challenging it is <laughs> with the with the moving target that has become Omicron or, Omicron, or you name it. Uh, I added a letter there for a second. And just, you know, some conferences went in saying, hey, we're going to have games that if you're not um, 
COVID ready to play. It's going to go down as a forfeit. Uh, if you don't have enough players, it's a forfeit. And some others went, well, we're going to take a different tech. And it's all over the place. And then it's been blown up because basically this variant has blown it up. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline to talk about this are two assistant commissioners, because commissioners are just too busy, right, people? Uh, to talk about all this, it's our friend Stacy Ledoux from the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference, and it's our good friend James Wagner from the CSAC. Uh, and branded, you two, very well done, can I just say, uh, well done on the brands. Um, first and foremost, let me just ask it this way. How insane has it been when it feels like at least at the end of the fall, everyone had kind of gotten into the routine of how COVID would be this year. And as I have jokingly said on this air a number of times, and I'll say it again, Omicron has basically said, hold my beer. Wags, we'll, we'll go ahead and let you start. Well, Dave, the, the, to put how crazy this has been, uh, at 1 o'clock, 1.30 this afternoon, I'd left to go to uh, a conference game Karen and Rosemont for men's basketball. Yeah. On my 40-minute drive from Limerick to Langhorn, two other games on the men's side were postponed in the span of 40 minutes. Wow. And this was after I lost all of our women's games. We had seven games slated for the docket tonight. We played one. Wow. This is change, and and this this had changed so quick in a span of 40 minutes. Um, and it is now, I have games now postponed for Saturday. I have games that I have teams that have now gone into COVID protocol uh, as of today. Um, one game was scheduled to play at five o'clock. It was postponed at one forty-five. Another game was supposed to be played at seven thirty. was postponed at two fifteen. So it has been absolutely crazy in the last week or so as schools start to come back to campus. We have one school in our, one institution in our conference that said you're not coming back until January 9th. So that, and let's say more postponement. So it's been very fluid and with schools in three different states with three different guidelines, it's been a little bit of challenge, a little bit of a challenge right now, but we were able to get one game in. So at least we got that. We got the one game in, which is a pretty good game. Um, so we're now it's just been absolutely off the wall tracking these changes. Stacy, has it been as, I mean, I've, I noticed a lot of, of uh, cancellations and postponements in the um, in the HCAC as well, maybe not to the tune of of what Wags is dealing with, but it's it's got to be just as challenging out where you are. Yeah, um, like you said, we kind of felt like we got our feet under us. We figured this COVID thing out, and then uh, as we've done all along with COVID, now we're playing out of another playbook. <laughs> we had to make it up as we went last time, and now we're we're uh, trying to figure it out as we go here. Um, but yeah, luckily we haven't had it to the extent that it sounds like WAGS is seen at the CSAC, but um, we're definitely feeling the impacts of Omicron. And we actually had a, a meeting with our athletic directors yesterday and we, pu we put the question out there. Do we want to just push pause for two weeks, see if we can get this thing under control and, and then re-go? Um, but uh, AD said, if we can play, we want to play because who knows where this thing will be in two weeks. We could push pause for two weeks and the country could be even in worse shape. So um, the ADs are wanting to play if we can play. And and for our student athletes sake, we're trying to do it as safely as possible. Yeah, I can I can certainly understand that that idea of, listen, if it were, if it's possible to play, let's do that. I am curious, though, if, if you can humor me. 
put the pause on those two weeks, would those games in that idea be just lost or were you going to try and find ways to make those games up somehow? Well, you know, in a perfect world, we said, what if we could get the NCAA to delay the the championship two weeks? That's that's <laughs> I, never going to happen. <laughs> I had a feeling we might walk down that road. Okay. <laughs> um, so we were just honestly throwing out the, the idea to see if it even had legs, if okay. we could even go anywhere with it. And there was just no appetite for it from the get-go because some of our teams are doing everything they can. They're vaccinated they're testing they're doing everything and and they're still able to play and they want to play so it didn't really and again from a conference office it's easy for us to say hey let's push pause for two weeks we're not the ones on campus with student athletes who uh, are itching to play and and want to be active so it's easy for us to throw out these ideas and then hear quickly from the campus side of things now that's not going to work and yeah i mean obviously uh, a pause at other times was something that we all thought was a great idea. And yeah, you're right. Whether we could move the NCAA tournaments two weeks, that's, that's a whole nother beast. Um, I'll come back to what else you guys talked about Stacy uh, at that meeting in a minute, but Wags, I want to come to you. You're one of those conferences and we're seeing a, a lot of variants of this too. You're one of those conferences that has said, listen, if we have a postponement, We'll let you all try and figure out if you can get it played. There's other conferences, again, we'll talk about in a minute, that's been either a forfeiture or whatever the case may be. What was the mentality with just go ahead and schedule it if you can? Is it because proximity is okay? Were there other factors that put you guys in that in that headspace? I think, Dave, the, the reason we, we kind of backpedal a little bit, not backpedal, but kind of reversed our decision on the forfeits was that – we do have time to play these games. Um, you know, we, we've had this policy in effect since we restarted in March. We've had to use it twice across spring, fall, and winter because we have just plain ran out of time. And it was one contest that we just said we couldn't play. Um, I think now that you've seen the reversals in the Big East, you've seen the reversals in the ACC. Um, I know the MAC is still going forward with their forfeits. Um, we are of the, of the fact that we can try to reschedule these games. Now, I will tell you that I think as our conference will revisit, as every conference will revisit this in two weeks as we get closer to the end of January where we stand. Are we too far down the rabbit hole to make these games up? What's the best way we can do it? My concern is I have some schools with very small rosters. And to tell a school that you're going to play 10 games in 15 days or 10 games in 17 days is not, not safe, not safe from a COVID standpoint, but not safe from just a health and well-being standpoint. And also it's not a good experience for the student athletes. At the end of the day, our jobs are to provide the student athletes with the best experience we can, that we can do possible. I think our student athletes have been very resilient. They've been great. They do want to play. Yeah, the for the, the forfeit is only for a last, you know, a last just look, we're out of time. We're we're bumped up again our conference tournament. We had to do it in softball, we had to do it in women's soccer, or I think we did men's soccer. So we backpedaled in basketball. We will try our best. The proximity in none of our schools are, are more than three hours away from each other. It's just that let's see where we're at and see if we can reschedule these games. And we don't want teams playing four times a week in February. We just don't. Well, it makes sense. Uh, Stacy. you guys in the HCAC, kind of the same as the OAC. I'm trying to think of some others off the top of my head um, that had basically forfeiture plans in place. And, and 
to be fair, those plans were put in place even as far back as August because you wanted to make sure teams were taking the vaccination rules and opportunities seriously. This It wasn't that you wanted to punish anybody, and we didn't expect Omicron to kind of blow vaccinations out of the water. Again, people are fine in the vaccinations. They may be sick, but it's, it's about a hospitalization thing. But in other variants, it wasn't really much of a factor. Am I saying that right? Was that kind of where the headspace on that was? Yeah, that was definitely one of the reasons that the administration voted for the forfeiture policy was to encourage individuals to get vaccinated so that we could play. Um, and again, you stated it correctly. We made that decision in August when it seemed like the vaccines were going to be effective and were going to help contests be able to happen. Again, we're playing out of a different playbook now and <laughs> Omicron doesn't seem to care about um, if you're vaccinated or not. Um and I was actually, I had my physical yesterday. I was talking to my doctor. There's another variant out of France right now that doesn't seem to be responding to the vaccine at all. So I'm sorry, Stacey, where's pivot. your mute button? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, so um, we've, we've had to pivot and we'll continue to do so in order to make the best decisions for our student athletes. And, and like James said, you know, our job is to give the best experience to our student athletes. And, and you can argue on any side of the coin, what that is in this, in this environment is rescheduling the best experience for our student athletes when they're then missing class time and they're then having to, you know, scramble this, that, and the other, or is the best experience for our student athletes to give them as many games as possible. I mean, you can argue any side of it and it, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, and we're just trying to navigate and find what that best answer is. Not There's no one answer, but the best path is forward to provide for our student athletes the best experience that we can. And this is on top of retain uh, re- retention of student athletes. This is on top of keeping schools open. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously in the HCAC, you've got a lot of uh, higher end tech um, like a Rose Holman, all them, they kind of have a, 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 a nuance about them that maybe makes them a little bit more bulletproof, but Wags, you're in, you're in a conference that has a bunch of schools that might be holding on to a thread. So you, there's so many other dynamics that the schools themselves are more concerned about, not to mention their communities and their campuses. And I mean, this could go forever. Stacy, back to your meeting yesterday, you guys changed your policy you were in that forfeit policy. And as, as we were talking to Julie folks uh, earlier, now you're just to, okay, it didn't get played. They can make it up now, or is that still off and you're just not going to quote unquote punish the team? So the, the vote that the administration took yesterday was to eliminate the forfeit implication and the game will be considered a no contest. They also put in place a number of seven. If a team has seven healthy players, then they are expected to play the contest unless otherwise dictated by a team physician. Um, We had one of our teams that had seven, but their team physician said they couldn't play because the spread was so quick that they needed to pause. Um, So we we have that parameter in place right now. We were purposefully silent on whether or not teams could reschedule um, to allow teams to reschedule. An AD, a coach can go out and schedule anyone in the conference, anyone out of the conference, if they have a game canceled out from under them um, so that they can get games in. Um, but those, if they're 
against a conference opponent will not count towards the conference standings. Uh, we didn't want to put our teams that are outliers. Um, we've got some teams that have, you know, five hour drives. We didn't want to put those outlier teams um, in a position where no one would want to reschedule them uh, sure. <laughs> because they didn't want to make that trip. Or um, we didn't want to put, you know, teams that might, you talked to Julie tonight, they're ranked number four in the country right now. Um, if I'm a coach, I'm probably not scrambling to reschedule them if they're five hours away and they're going to kick my tail when I go down there. <laughs> Fair. Um, so we wanted to put those, um, we wanted to leave the option for teams to reschedule and, and do that as they, as they saw fit so they could play as much as possible. Um, but those games obviously won't have um, implications on our standings. Quickly, I realized that the forfeiture was kind of a, okay, we at least need to understand where the standings will be and how we're going to figure out the tournament. I can't remember. Does everybody make the HCAC tournament? We have traditionally had a 16 tournament last year. We did do a 10 team tournament and it was a complete blind draw. So we had all 10 teams right. get in because we knew there would be cancellations. Um, but that was a one-time thing. We opened the floor for that conversation again this year. Do we want to expand the team, the tournament back to 10 teams? There was not an appetite for that. Um, so really? we are going to remain at a 16 tournament and uh, figure out the standings. Well, then, then it begs the question, because if you said, if you came back to me and said, yeah, we're going to expand to 10, maybe it's a blind draw, maybe it's not, maybe the top four are, are how they're ranked and the rest, whatever, we, we can go through that a million ways. I would have I understood it, but to say that there's no appetite, how are you as a conference then going to be able to determine who those six teams are, especially as more games are lost? That seems like a That seems like a real big challenge to not unfortunately leave someone out who who maybe would argue they deserve to be in for sure um we talked about having a minimum number of games that teams had to play and an ad rightfully so pointed out well if we have a minimum number of games and our number four team in the country doesn't meet that minimum we're going to hold them out of our tournament because they didn't hit that minimum no yeah. um luckily dave we're not the only conference in the country and so we're going to lean on some of our counterparts to figure this out there's some brighter brains out there than myself that can crunch no, numbers. No, no um, there's not going to be a perfect answer. Unfortunately, yeah. um, there's going to be an imbalance in inequity in games. Um, but we're going to have to, and in the next week, we're going to put on paper um, how we're going to determine seating because we need to do it sooner than later because games are going to start to have implications on those and on Jay Jones the final left, standings. Jay Jones left the NCAA headquarters, I thought maybe for a little bit of an easier gig. I think he walked <laughs> himself straight into a hornet's nest. Uh, Wags, from your perspective, how are you guys tackling what could be the postseason? We're starting to have those conversations, um, Marie and I. Um, obviously, Marie started in October, so she started at the right point. She started and then this, this started to come around. Um, I, I can tell you our ADs are going to meet next week. We meet bi-weekly. Um, now the convention is going to be a little different because some of them are going to be virtual. Some of them are going to be an indie. So we're going to tackle that a little differently. Um, for me, it, it, you know, in the world of WAGs is I would love to do, if we have to do a all commerce tournament, where we put all our teams in, we can do it. However, with 10 women's teams, we need to do this so that we don't play four days in a row. Yeah. Make it again. It's the health and safety. And honestly, Dave, you and I talked today, and, and I'm sure Stacy probably feels the same way. 
if this thing doesn't die, hopefully this thing dies down. If it doesn't die down, are we going to end up where we were in 2020 or in 2021? How are we going to get this tournament off the ground? You know, with different regulations and, you know, there are schools right now in my conference, there are three of them, actually four of them that said no spectators. You know, it's been a hot button, always been a hot button issue. And listen, I know people get upset. I know people don't like it, but the institutions make these decisions to protect their campuses. I always say, we, I follow guidance from Johns Hopkins. If Johns Hopkins, the nation's most preeminent research university, says something, you might want to listen. People are upset that here in Philadelphia, we have a vaccination policy, whereas Temple now, you check your vaccination card. To go into the Wells Fargo Center, you have to check your, you show your vaccination card. Penn just said no fans, period. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we have... I'll, you know, obviously, I'll go to Division One with the Big Five. You know, you have Temple, you have LaSalle, you have St. Joe's, um, Penn in the city. You have Villanova, which is outside the city. However, they do play some games at the Wells Fargo Center. Right. They don't have a vaccination requirement at Villanova right now. But when they go play Butler or they go play UConn or they go play, I think they play Xavier at the Wells Fargo Center, they're going to have to. You know, I, I went to a hockey game in November in Boston. I had to show my vaccination card. No big deal. Here it is on my phone. Here's my ID. Done. You know, I'm hoping we stem the tide now so that when we get to February, if we have an all-commerce tournament, that, okay, people can come if you wear your mask and you sit in the stands and you're fine. You know, we have some gyms that are very small that social distancing is next to impossible. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's what is what it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to make this tournament, if we're going to do the all-commerce tournament, whether like states with the blind draw, how we, how many games do we have? And again, we're still tied by the sports minimum of 18. They have not changed that as of yet. And it's, you know, January 6th. Is the NCAA going to come down and say, okay, is 14 enough? Are they going to waive it? You know, getting to that 18, we, we had in our conference, I think everybody met their minimum Except in cross country, we had a handful of, and that was for different reasons because they just they didn't score. Now you know that's really not a big deal. It's it's a waiver in cross country. It's okay, but the NCAA at some point, and I'm sure they're having discussions. We have great leadership at Division Three um, with Louise and everybody that they're having discussions right now. Do we waive the 18? If we waive the 18, it takes the pressure off. If they don't, then maybe the all commerce tournament becomes like you know, you know, yeah. we play. Top, we play a week of games with seeds five through 10. And then out of that, we go with one seeds one through four. You know, there's a lot of discussion right now, but I think we, we just keep track of the games that we're postponing. And then when we get through Omicron, when it dies down, especially supposedly when it's supposed to die down at the end of January, when students are fully back on campus, then maybe we can have, you know, we can start to figure out what we're exactly what we're going to do to water AQ. Um. We're gonna ignore what Stacy had to say uh, about France. Uh, with I'm I'm with you, Wags. I'm hoping by the end of January things die down. Um, hey, I have another. I mean, I have another concern right now. Men's volleyball is supposed to start real soon. Yeah, and that's an indoor sport. Yeah. So you know, and I have seven schools, one of which I have an associate member in New York City. So with the vaccination requirement in New York City, one of our concerns is, well, if our student athletes aren't vaccinated and they go to this school in New York, are they going to be able to come in? And I was told the answer is no. So, you know, there's other concerns. Like if, you know, I I think a couple of weeks ago, 
or a week ago when Illinois Wesleyan played Vishiva, that was fantastic. Uh, that was that was a fantastic event, you know. And what if we get you know into the tournament and you know there's yeshiva host a game, host a pot or anything like that, and vaccination requirements stuff like that. This stuff you got to think about, like you know, how are we going to pull this tournament off? I, I think we can do it, but you know it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of of hard work, and I think we can all do it. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I hadn't even gotten to March. I, I feel like my my view down the road at this point would start be looking at March. And I've, and I've already quickly said, let me just look the end of January. Let's just see. And now that games are getting postponed and canceled and all that, it's even more complicated. And by the way, we're in the middle of winter. There's winter weather. That's going to throw curveballs on top of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, That, that sir, I know it stuff's already blown through where you've been uh, Stacy and is heading our way uh, for tonight. So I think it's already starting to hit. Um, Obviously, you're two of what forty-two conferences. Mm-hmm. There's probably forty-two solutions out there. How much? I know the convention is still on the NCAA convention. There's a lot to be discussed when it comes to, uh, oh, I don't know, the Constitution. Uh, I I don't know other Division three pressing matters like whether we're going to have six team AQs or not. Stacy, I'll, I'll start with you just. Because Jay Jones, being your commissioner, maybe has a little bit better sense of this. How much does maybe this take over what are pressing matters to still be discussed at the convention? This being this the, being conferences are like, listen, we got we got to talk about how we're just going to play games tomorrow. Yeah, or how we're going to uh, have a well, tournament. I mean, I definitely think there's it's still a question if we'll be in person in two weeks yeah, would, at convention yeah. as well. Um, Biggest convention in NCAA's, at least recent history, and we might be virtual. History. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And so, I mean, the city, I the Heartland is located in Indianapolis, and so um, we're lucky to be in the NCAA's backyard. And the city is doing the best that it can. And it's hard to say, no, we're not going to have a convention when on Monday we're going to have thousands of fans on top of each other uh, downtown for the NCAA Division Three National Championship in football. Um, so I know the NCAA has been very conservative and rightfully so um, taking safe steps when it comes to the virus. So um, who knows if we'll be in person. But I mean, this is pressing. We have our student athletes who want answers now, who are wanting to play now, and um, unfortunately don't have the foresight for um, the convention and the constitution and what major shifts could happen. Um, We meet as a conference, and I think most conferences do in conjunction with uh, the NCAA convention. So I think a lot of work will happen. Um, at that level. But again, if we're here or not in two weeks, stay tuned. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and right. The conference is me, but I just feel like it's going to be like, we need more time. Um, and, and more pressing matters are going to get pushed to the side, but. But um, I don't think that we have more time. I think no. this has to be decided now it's do or die. Um, right. For division three, for all the divisions and bless all the people on the constitutional convention committee. Uh, they've put in so much work, and I would just hate to see it um, be for naught. So right, I no, hope I that everyone can have a square head on their shoulders. And I think, if anything, Division Three folks have shown they can multitask. We have, like, 
what a fifth of the staff of some of our counterparts and we all get it done amazingly so right worry, we'll get it done um but yeah there's definitely a lot that could could distract from the task at hand without a doubt um by the way i, I just got an alert i think louise is asking dan dutcher to come back and work um not sure <laughs> if that's true yeah he's coming as a guest so uh, maybe we can him, like, just to get him in the box. door Come across speaking, the room. Help. Speaking of Jay, he watched the uh, convention, the special convention in November at Jay's house because he didn't have access. So they got to watch it together. And it's fun to talk to Dan Dutcher because he just has all the historical context that oh, no one else remembers. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luis is going to get him in the ropes and then go on. Oh, now you've been deputized. Uh, <laughs> he got out just at the right time. Hey, I don't want to keep you guys longer. We could certainly talk about a lot of other aspects of this, but obviously it's ever changing. And so anything we talk about now by tomorrow could be a, a different topic of conversation. Um, I, I certainly wish you all the best. I know it's a lot on the schools to get games done, but Stacy, as you and I were talking about earlier, it's going to be on you guys to try and figure out how to put those conference tournaments together when they are going to be anything but uh simplistic. So Appreciate the time you guys ha gave me, uh, especially last minute. Uh, Wags, I'll give you kind of the final word, then we'll give Stacy final word you want to share with those who are tuned in tonight. Well, I think, you know, for those who are tuned in, listen, we've been through this quite a We've been through this since 2020. We've gotten through the first part. We've gotten through Delta. This is now Omicron, and we'll get through this. You know, uh, to the student athletes, we are working as hard as we can to make sure you have a good experience. It obviously isn't the experience you had prior to 2020, but we are trying to give you your full season. Um, to the parents, I know it's frustrating when schools close their doors for spectators, but you have everybody pretty much has live streams now, live video. Like yeah. they, we'll get through this, and we'll we're the the end game of this is to open back up in February and say, okay. You know, we're COVID still here, but we can you, you can come as long as you wear your mask and be OK. Um, but I think we'll get through this. And, and you know, like Stacey said, it is starting to get, you know, the division ones have more time. They do because the tournament's not going to start till mid-March. Unfortunately, yeah. we unless they back ours up, which they probably won't. We need to figure this out, figure this out soon. And there are commissioners, there are assistant commissioners, there's ADs, there's athletic trainers. I mean, physicians, everybody trying to figure this out. We'll get there. Um, it's just going to be a little rocky, and but we'll we'll get there. Stacey, your thoughts? Well said, James. And for once, we're all on the same team, right? We're all trying to get games in. We're all trying to do this for our student athletes. And and like James said, we have their best interests at heart, and we're trying to do the best thing. There's no one right thing, but we're trying to find the best path forward uh, so that we can give them the best uh, student athlete experience possible. And, and James, you said it, whether that's closing the doors to fans for a short period of time, at least we're getting games in. At least we're, we're doing the things that the student athletes need to, to make this stuff happen. Um, and, and like you said, we'll get through it. Uh, we were one of the few conferences who last year played all of our sports in one semester. And we yeah, you were crazy. And we, you guys were crazy. Yeah. You and the ODAC, we, we, nuts. <laughs> we did it. And so we showed we can do it, and we will continue to fight forward and, and make it happen um, by whatever means necessary. And, and luckily in Division Three, we're a big family, 
And we say it all the time in the Heartland, we have a phenomenal group of schools who are willing to work together to make it happen. And I think that that is expanded into the larger division three realm. You know, we're all one family and we're all going to fight to get through this and, and hopefully come out better. Yeah, well the other said. side better for it. Well said, both of you. Really appreciate the time you gave us. Gave us the insight that you guys are tackling with and, and, and the changes that are always happening. So thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your evenings. Uh, try and get a break. I don't know if that's physically possible. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks, James. I appreciate both of them coming on again from the uh, from the uh, Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference where Stacy works. I didn't get a chance. I meant to do it at the end there. Stacy and I go back a ways. She was a student at Transylvania when I called game uh, uh, NCAA tournament games at Transylvania. That's where Brandon Gulick joined me for a day. Um, Stacy literally was my a- analyst. Oh, I don't remember. Was it? Well, at least one game, if not two. I know it wasn't three because the first game I did, I just wanted to get the broadcast out the door, and then Stacy joined me. But I don't remember the details. Anyway, she helped me a ton. She then went on to Rochester, gotten to know her through that, and now she's in Indianapolis there. So great to connect with her. And and interesting enough, we had Transylvania on earlier in the show. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, just a a quick wrap-up. Get this done and dusted. A couple of notes, some uh, news that's uh, gone across Twitter and other places since we hit the air. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll just wrap things up here on Hoopsville. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoops as we wrap things up. Just a few minutes left in the show. Checking to see if we've gotten any emails. We have not, nor any comments. Want to appreciate all those who did tune in. Saw this tweet while I was uh, kind of scrolling along. Um, I, we were talking about the new guidelines for uh, fully vaccinated and quarantine and all that from the NCAA today. Saw this tweet from uh, Penn State Altoona's men's basketball coach, McGreal. He said, took seven players and myself to get a booster yesterday. And so that would have been Wednesday. I'm of the opinion, if you want to play, do what you're told. Kind of a, an interesting point there. He went on to say the rest of the guys are in the window of being considered fully vaxxed. So, you know, the coach is making the effort to make sure that their players are in a, in a position to get fully vaccinated, get boosted, do whatever they need to, to make sure that they are able to play games. Um, you got to do whatever you can to say the least. Um, and I congratulate coach there on that, on that thinking. And I congratulate the players on joining him in that mentality as well. Some other news that came across Twitter during the show. Um, let's see. Uh, Texas Dallas at Harden Simmons has been canceled for Saturday. Texas Dallas was canceled tonight, as you know, against McMurray, doing, uh, citing health and safety protocols. They've now canceled their games against Harden Simmons. Now that says canceled. I'm not sure if it's canceled or postponed, to be honest. Um, Unfortunately, we're learning quickly that canceled and postponed mean two different things in the grand scheme of things. Postponed means you, you have a plan to try and play, if, even if it means being canceled later. Canceled means there's no plan to play. Um, Letourneau and Harden-Simmons men's basketball did play tonight. Uh, I believe Letourneau got the win. Yeah, they did against number 22 Harden-Simmons, 85-77. Saw a tweet from our friend Ryan Scott. It said, frustrating night for the home team, that being Harden-Simmons. Never seemed to settle into rhythm for more than a couple of possessions at a time. I would not want to be in Harden-Simmons' film review session tomorrow. Well, they may not even be in the film review since their game against Texas Dallas isn't taking place. Uh, other scores in around men's basketball. Harden-Simmons was playing Saul Ross in a game of Cliff Carroll playing his former team. Uh, we'll have to check to see what that score is. Bear with me here. Uh, as we don't have it on our links, uh, hint, hint to SIDs out there. Give us some help. Put your links up. Um, uh, it's the six-step to get to the link thing. Saul Ross leads Martin Harden-Simmons with uh, under five minutes to play in the first half, 35-32. So an interesting development there, but obviously still first half. Uh, other games that are taking place, I'm just trying to see if anything jumps out of me. Franciscan leads W&J in men's basketball at halftime, 45-39. That's a conference game, if, if memory serves. Um, Concordia Moorhead leads uh, St. Olaf 65-50 with nine minutes left to go in that game. Um, Scranton got past SUNY Cortland 90-58 in men's basketball action. That's somewhat interesting. Uh, Cortland, of course, um, five and six on the season. They've lost to Rochester, uh, Ithaca, Oswego, Brockport, and Geneseo. Before losing to Scranton today, they've beaten Ithaca, Cobleskill, Fredonia, Elmira, and Houghton. So, you know, Cortland maybe not having a tremendous season. Uh, a bunch of other games have been played. We just don't have any scores. Women's basketball action. Uh, there weren't any top 25s playing tonight. Um, Johns Hopkins did defeat Dickinson in a game that was supposed to have been played yesterday. got postponed to today. Uh, they won that in overtime 66-59. Uh, I know the Hopkins women started off well. They are 7-2 and two on the season with loss to Susquehanna at the start of the season um, and then a loss to Gettysburg a few games back. Um, that's pretty much it. There's some other games. Uh, ooh, interesting. Finlandia defeated 
Superior women's basketball, 67-62 tonight. Um, and again, a bunch of postponements and delays. So interesting night. Uh, appreciate our guests coming on. we got some interesting time ahead. Uh, I think Stacy and, and Wags did a real nice job of kind of putting things together for us, and I appreciate them coming on the show, especially last minute as they did, to talk about everything, especially from the conference's perspective. Really appreciate their time. Uh, I was told at some point during the Williams interview, our our live video got out of sync, and that means even the archive got out of sync. I don't know what the reason is, except that I, I did get some alerts about some problems, but those alerts have disappeared. So there may have just been a, uh, a streaming issue somewhere that we can't control. I apologize for that. I think we're back on sync, but it is what it is. Travis uh, John says, can conferences scrap conference tournaments and give their AQ to the regular season winner? Obviously, you hope it doesn't come to that. Yes, absolutely, Travis, they could. I apologize for just getting to that question. Yeah, they absolutely could could scuttle uh, the conference tournaments and give the AQ. Remember, the conferences are allowed to give the AQ to whoever they need to based on their conference rules and decisions. Remember, the UAA doesn't even have a conference tournament. They're the last uh, conference in the entirety of the NCAA, all three divisions like that, the Ivy League being the second to last before they scuttled that and went to a tournament. Um, They absolutely can give the AQ to a regular season tournament, a regular season uh, winner. In fact, technically, the regular season is the backup to the tournament should there be a problem with the tournament. Um, There was one year, and I never remember this anymore. I thought, maybe I, I thought this is how it played out was going to play out, maybe it was because I was watching the semifinals and it never got to this, but I believed in the um, the SCAC, uh, this SCAC, they one year were going to have a team that was a provisional Division Three member in the championship game against basically the, the regular season uh, top team. Um, and obviously the provisional team would not have been allowed to go on to the NCAA tournament, so if they had won the the, AQ, the uh the conference tournament, the question became, well, who would go on? And the answer was already known that they would give the AQ then to the team that had won the regular season. So essentially, if that had played out, and I think that's how it worked. I think I saw it in the semis. It didn't play out. So we never saw it in the championship. But if, if that had played out, um, the losing team, had it been not the provisional team, I think it was Trinity, Texas, in fact, that was the, was the regular season winner. If they had lost the championship game, they still would have automatically qualified for the tournament because the conference would have given it to them. And we have talked about that with conference tournament games, this championship especially, has been postponed for weather or power issues or whatever, that at some point the NCAA is going to be like, you need to give us your AQ, and even if the game's not over. So, yes, that is absolutely possible, Travis. A conference can decide. We're going to give it to a regular season. They may even decide, listen, we're going to get rid of the tournament to give everybody a chance to play a few more games with that in mind. Um, it's not ideal, but it's certainly possible. I think I am um, of more of the, of the thought that you go to an all conference tournament to decide it. And that's why I'm a little surprised the HCAC wasn't of the mentality, at least at this time to do, to do just that, like they did last year. And maybe it has to do with how many games have to be played that week. Um, but to go to all 10 being automatically qualifying, for the conference tournament versus the, just the top six with games being lost. I think it's interesting that they, they voted that down, but it doesn't mean it can't come back. Um, but yeah, uh, Mark, thanks for t- tuning in as well. appreciate you taking the time. going to sign off from there, folks. I appreciate our guests coming on the show. Julie folks from Transylvania, uh, Brian Nima from Simpson. And of course, uh, Kevin app from Williams. And again, thanks to Stacey Ledoux at um, Heartland 
Collegiate Athletic Conference and James Wags Wagner uh, at the uh, Colonial States Athletic Conference for coming on, especially last minute to talk about everything. Uh, thank you for tuning in and enjoying the show with us. We really appreciate that as well. We'll be back on the air, remember, Monday. We're no longer on Sundays. We're on Monday. Monday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time will be our next show. No idea, but I can tell you this. We finally figured out how we're probably going to break down the regions and how we're probably going to do guests and all that, and we'll, we'll debut that on Monday along with our Top 25 Double Take. By the way, we are working on getting the panel together. I started to make headway on it, but just couldn't pull the trigger for tonight. Hopefully a week from tonight on Thursday's show, we'll debut our women's panel for the Top 25 Double Take as well so we can get their takes on things. Granted, the COVID news right now kind of taking precedent. Uh, with that in mind, we will sign off. I want to thank the sports information directors for their help, especially uh, Dick Quinn um, and and Justin Sweeney. I want to thank Emma at um, at uh, sorry. So Dick Quinn's at Williams, Justin Sweeney's at Transylvania, and Emma is at uh, at Simpson. I want to thank all of them for coming on uh, for their help with putting this show on the air as well. And thank everybody, of course, at D Three Hoops, Blue Frame Technology, and of course uh, the NABC and WBCA for their support as well. We'll be back on the air Monday. I almost said Sunday again. Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, whether you're listening to the archive or maybe you were listening to the um, uh, show live or maybe you're listening to the podcast. Thank you nonetheless. Appreciate it. And we will look forward to talking to you on Monday night. If you listen to, if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. Stay safe out there.